Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And it starts right now. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Bissabing, and I've got a huge show for you guys lined up for the next three hours. Got a couple of great guests. Got Wes Kerr from Loco Sports coming on at 8 to talk about the low country. And then Brandon Dunn from WCC here, Myrtle Beach. Coming on at 9 to run down all the news on the Grand Strand. But first, we've got a big talking point for you this morning. And that is where we will start it off this morning for you here on Southern Sports Central. And this is a topic of discussion. This is a conversation that I want to have with everyone on listening to me right now. So if when after I explain it to you, I want everyone to call in. I want to get everyone's opinion on this. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. And the topic of discussion for this morning is what the SCHSL should do about the playoffs Moving forward, obviously this year with COVID and all of that, the playoffs were reduced from the traditional four teams per region, plus in some some classifications, at-large bids. That was cut in half down to two per region, and the playoffs were reduced down from 32 down to 16 accordingly this year. And here are my thoughts on it before I get everyone's thoughts. And and the reason why I bring this up, if you didn't listen to last week's show, Ian Guerin and I were talking a little bit about this, and we kind of discussed it. We kind of talked about our thoughts before, but I really wanted to delve deep into it this week. And give you my thoughts and I wanted to hear from you guys as well. 
Here's my thoughts. You split the difference. There's a very easy, happy medium. And here's why it works so perfectly. If you do a 24-team playoff, in, in, most, in, in class 5A and 3A, you've got uh, three teams per region. And then in the other three classifications with the seven uh, regions, you have to fig you have you have to kind of finagle it a little bit, but not by much. The only thing that really changes is you have the first week, the first round of the playoffs is the lower sixteen teams, and then every region champion, and you you've got the runner ups and the well you have the 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 number two and three seed teams from each region along with probably some at larges uh in the in the seven team regions or in the seven region classifications rather you have three you have the number two and number three seeded teams playing each other in the first round and then the number one seed of every region and probably the best number two team for the regions that have seven or the classifications that have re- seven regions the best number two team along with those seven number one seeds or in the case of the eight region or the eight yeah the eight region classifications you have the top you have the region champions of each region they get an automatic bye week they automatically get to that second round so you basically split the difference and here's why it works so perfectly as we've seen this season with the 16-team playoff, it makes it to where a lot of teams, especially in certain regions where you kind of know who's going to win and who more than likely will be the runner-up, it makes it to where by week four, week five, you already know not only where you're going to be in terms of the playoffs, but you also know who you're going to be playing more often than not. I mean, look at Carolina Forest. They've already they knew since 2 weeks ago that not only were they going to be the 2 seed, but they're going to be playing Goose Creek or excuse me, not No, I'm I'm right, Goose Creek. They not only are are they the the number 1 seed or the number two seed coming out of Region 6. But they're also going to play Goose Creek in the first round at Goose Creek. And a lot of schools, I mean, looking at the 5A bracket, all but six spots, or all but five spots are filled right now. And those, And four of those five spots are up in the upstate. And a lot of that is as a result of postponements and cancellations well postponements really due to covid so if it wasn't for that we would know now granted this is kind of a weird year so you can't necessarily extra extra yeah excuse me extrapolate what's going to happen in a regular year under with, with the way this is but the reason why the 24 or excuse me 
No, I'm right. The the 24 team uh, playoffs work so well. Is while you keep what we have this year, which is the importance of winning your region and the importance now. Now, even under the old system, even under the 32-team system, winning your region was still a big deal because it guaranteed you home field home field advantage for essentially the at least the majority of the playoffs. But even if you were the runner-up, you were still getting a home a home game to start off the playoffs. So it doesn't make winning your region nearly as important as it does either in the current system or in the ideal system. But it takes away a little bit of that knowing that you're automatically in quite as early. Now, this year, you know, yeah, you're going to know. A, a lot of teams will know relatively quickly who who where they're going to be in their in, in their region and and who they're going to be playing more than likely but even in the original format you would still have that somewhat um you know especially more so in the 2 and 3 uh seed area a lot of times those spots would be locked up pretty quickly the four, you know the number 4 seed would would be uh kind of up for the grabs towards the end and here's the other thing that it it helps as compared to now this year and and the reason the other reason why outside of me talking to Ian Garen last week the other reason why I thought of this and the reason why I wanted to bring it up as a topic of discussion this morning is because of what's going on up in the upstate right now in region 4 with Greer, Greenville and Greenwood three of them finished at 3 and 1 in their region and all of them have been ranked yet Greenville who I originally thought based on my calculations I thought they needed I thought they were almost a shoe in last week I thought they I thought Greer needed some help in order to get into the playoffs but apparently I was wrong Apparently, because of the margin of victory and and stuff like that, they're actually number one seed coming out of Region Two. And so, you know, while yes, it makes for a very it made for a very exciting week last week. And don't get me wrong, I I love that, but the fact that Greenville has had such a good season. And more than likely will go five and one. They're, the fact that they're going to miss the playoffs is just crazy to think about. And and even and and even going further down, going down into three A, you you've got the battle over Region Six or excuse me, Region Seven with Dylan Anor and Loris, where now Loris needs to win tonight, but they need to win anyway against Dylan. And and if if Loris loses tonight, they'd be two and two. So it's not quite as big of a 
craziness as Region 2 4A has been. But still, Loris has played very well. Uh, so you would think that they deserve to get that opportunity as well. Uh, so that's that's my thoughts. Having a three having a three team per region playoff, a twenty four team playoff is the best system that the SEHSL could go with moving forward. Because it allows it it makes the region title more important because it gives you that bye week. While at the same time not Give you know giving the sit not allowing the situation that we're getting right now, Greenwood and Greer up in the upstate. So it just looking at it, looking at it on my you know from my you know opinion, that's the best system that they could go with. We got a caller on the line right now, so we'll go to him real quick. Hey, you're on Sports Unlimited. How's it going? It, it's a great day at Sports Unlimited. This is Kathy Reeves with PD Sports Recruiters. How are you doing? I, was, I told hey, you that going? I would like to call in this one. It's going fantastic. You know, I'm always interested in hearing what the latest rulings are with regards to the South Carolina High School League and and the high school sports. And so I just um, chimed in just now, and uh, I did miss uh, for the majority of the most part of what you were saying, but I'm definitely going to be tuning in because I'm very interested to hear what the, the different rulings are, what the changes are, and things of that nature because I recruit from state to state. And, uh, of course, here in Georgia, we have the Georgia High School League Association and then, you know, different rules for different states. So, you know what? What are the um, the playoffs for high school football? Uh, what are they looking like right now? Right now, for this year, it's going to be two teams per region. Uh, okay. So it's a, it's a sixteen team playoff. But m- what I'm talking about is is what they should do moving forward because traditionally it's been a thirty two team uh, playoff with okay. four teams per region making it mm-hmm. into the playoffs. Okay. Uh, but just with how this year has gone as compared to how years in the past have gone, looking at it on paper and just thinking about it from a you know purely logical level, uh-huh. it, it makes the most sense to split the difference and have it be 24 teams. And it not only allows you to have the importance of winning your region because you get that first round by, but then on top of that, it still it, it avoids the situation that we've had this year up in the upstate where three teams have the exact same record, have only had one loss, and each of those losses rotated between the three teams in region play yet one of them is missing the playoffs. So, you know, it it, it just looks like the best uh, the best system moving forward. Uh, but since you mentioned some other stuff, um, you know, and you, you talked about some rulings in the SEHSL, 
I, I will mention some other things, uh, but like I said, if you guys want to call in, if you guys want to get your opinion, if you want to let me know what your thoughts are, if you think my system works the best, or if you like either 16 or 32 uh, above 24, be sure to call on in, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. And we do also have a poll up on Twitter, so if you'd rather just vote on that, uh, go on to Twitter, SO Sports Central on Twitter. Uh, go vote for you know whichever option you prefer. I'll keep it up up until toward the end of the show and let you guys know what the results are uh, near the end of the show. Uh, did you have any other uh, thoughts before I moved on, Kathy? Absolutely not. I was just wondering what were the pushbacks. What you had suggested is not moving forward. Uh, sounds uh, very viable. I was just wondering, wondering what are the pushbacks on that? I think it's a great idea. I think the only pushbacks is, you know, um, I've heard, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, the SEHSL is kind of stuck in their ways. So a lot of people are thinking that they're just going to go right back to the 32 team system that they've always known and, and also, the I think the other thing that may influence it a little bit is the fact that some of the lower-end schools that aren't quite up to snuff enough to get into the playoffs on a thirty or on a twenty-four team uh, system, they may kind of fight against it because they'd be losing some revenue, although they never would get a home game anyway, but they'd still be losing some revenue from the playoffs as well. So, you know, it, I don't even know if anyone in the SEHSL has thought of this. This is something that uh, actually Ian Garen and I kind of thought up and kind of went back and forth on last week on the show, but it really makes, you know, the more and more I thought about it over the week, I, it really makes the most sense overall to where it would mi- still allow the pl- the season to mean as much as it has this year, while not having us be put into the system or into the situations that we've had this season. Uh, and like I said, m- moving forward a little bit, the SEHSL did have a meeting on Tuesday. Unfortunately, had a lot of technical issues, which, you know, they, they need to kind of clean up. Uh, still, no, still no plan officially for the location of the state championships. Uh, pretty crazy. They still don't have any of this late into the game. Uh, the rumors I've been hearing around, uh, around the rumor mill is that they're going to be, they're going to, this year at least, They'll have it at whoever wins the lower state championship, uh, the lower state team in each uh, classification uh, for the playoffs. So it'll be scattered out throughout the lower state. Uh, and then next year it'll be up in the upstate. Uh, but kind of, kind of disappointing that, you know, I understand with everything going on that, you know, williams Brights wasn't an option. Uh, but it's still kind of disappointing that, you know, we're not getting that big venue that really makes it feel like, you know, you've accomplished something getting to the state championship. 
Uh, and then the other news that came out, no real changes for basketball uh, thus far. Uh, they they did cut down the basketball tournament from five rounds down to four rounds. Uh, so, you know, there that that is also getting cut down a little bit. Not quite as much as uh, the football championship, but still just a little bit. There was also a recommendation that games aren't played between Christmas and New Year's. That's just a recommendation, but mm-hmm. not sure if that will impact uh, because there's a, the big tournament here in the area is the Beach Ball Classic, which is always played around like the 29th, 30th, uh, and I think there's a few there's a few other tournaments. I think the KC uh, Round Ball Classic is also uh, in between Christmas and New Year's, so. That may also, uh, I again, this is just a recommendation, so it may not even affect thing at all uh, moving forward. So, uh, any any final thoughts uh, before I let you go? Well, no final thoughts. We certainly appreciate all that you do uh, in high school sports. You, Richie Altman, and the Southern Sports Central crew, we appreciate all that you do for high school sports in South Carolina. Yep. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me this morning. Uh, and like I said, you know, big topic of discussion this morning is what what everyone thinks. You know, moving forward, uh, what should the SEHSL do uh, about about not just football, but every uh, every playoff system uh, moving forward. But you know, primarily for football, what what is every, what are everyone's thoughts uh, about what what should be done moving forward? That number to call to let me know what your thoughts are: three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. That number again: three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. A few other notes uh, around the state on the high school level before we'll take a quick break at. At th- at seven thirty, we do have uh, Wes Kerr come on coming on from Loco Sports at eight. We'll talk about a bunch of things around the Low Country. First, we'll talk about some of the cancellations this week. Greenwood at Hillcrest was canceled, like we talked about. Greenwood, one of those teams, they were the one that got in. Them along with Greer got in, while Greenville is out. Chapman against Clover was also canceled. Andrews against Waccamaw was canceled as well. They Waccamaw did pick up another opponent. They are facing Lakeview tonight. Mullins against Latta was canceled. Airfield Central against Lancaster was canceled. Hampton against Greenville was canceled. And Greer against Boiling Springs was also canceled. So none of those three teams that had that little you know controversy this week uh, none of those three playing this weekend. North Augusta at River Bluff was also canceled. That would have been a good game uh, this week. Uh, Aiken's regular season is apparently over. They canceled their city, uh, the city rivalry with South Aiken. And their other game, which was supposed to be played tonight, they're moving it to the 13th as a, you know, as a postseason bowl game. Uh, 
So kind of interesting turn of events there. Sakasi at Anor was canceled uh, following some positive cases on Sakasi. Anor did replace that game with a matchup at Green Sea against Green Sea Floyd. That should be an interesting matchup tonight. Uh, White Knoll season was also cut short after a positive case on the team. They were 0-5 on the season, uh, already 0-3 in region play. Not sure if they'll try to get a bowl game. Probably unlikely. Uh, It does impact Conway's game next week. Uh, And Conway kind of kind of got the short end of the stick this season when it came to uh, re- non-region games. They lost both of their non-region games at the end of the season. They were supposed to play Blight tonight, uh, but instead they're playing St. James, who is normally a region opponent, but they're going to play them in non-region action tonight. Uh, not sure how White Knoll, you know, not playing the rest of their games uh, will affect the playoff system, the playoff picture for Region 5. Um, apparently, the region coaches will meet, well, did meet yesterday to discuss the scenario. Didn't get any update on that. Was trying to get uh, Lou Bejak to come on the show once again this morning, but he had some prior commitments that he had to take care of. So more than likely, he will not be on this morning. Uh, but we we do have Wes Kerr coming on this morning. We do have Brandon Dunn coming on at 9. Uh, Lexington is now playing South Aiken tonight, who were, who was suppo- who they were supposed to play White Knoll. Uh, Lancaster season ends after the school decides to go full virtual against no, uh, until November 9th. They end their season at 0-4. Uh, no update yet. It is only until November 9th, so we'll see if once that date comes around, if they do decide to go back to a hybrid system or if they you know, decide to go back to full in-person. It's still, they still have some time, uh, but the start date for basketball practice is supposed to be next Monday, uh, so not sure how this is going to impact their winter sport, particularly basketball, That so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Chester beat Lower Richland 57-50 in a thriller on Wednesday. And in the process, Chester clinched the playoff spot. Mid-Carolina beat W.J. Keenan 21-10 on Wednesday. Emerald beat Brome 28-14 Wednesday. Blythewood beat Rock Hill 30-15 on Thursday. West Florence dominated Burlington last night 49-7. And Woodland beat Academy Magnet or Academic Magnet, excuse me, 47-7 to on Thursday, well, last night as well. One final game that was moved uh, to another uh, date, Shaw at North Central will be played on Monday. So we'll take a quick break, and when we return, we'll run down a few more notes around the around the state, 
And then at 8 o'clock, we will have Wes Kerr from Loco Sports. Come on, talk talk about the low country, talk about some other things uh, around the state and get you ready for some Friday Night Lights tonight here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. The bad boys are wrestling. Just in competition, win the war, that's their mission. Not no mercy, see the race like the streets. If you don't know, you better find out the wolf pack. Here to a point, number one, just believe that you don't want to talk with them. I'll be here for them, coming to bring with them, you're never walking out again. Come to your back on the wolf pack. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And like I mentioned, the big talking point this morning is what you guys think about format should be moving forward of the South Carolina high school football playoffs. Uh, Obviously, this year, 16 team uh, instead of the normal 32 uh, I've been saying 24. I think that's the best number, three per region. That one gets your thoughts. So call on in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We also have a poll up on Twitter at SO Sports Central. So be sure to vote on that. And then call on in and let me know your thoughts on the matter. Uh, Moving forward onto some other news of note, news and notes uh, throughout this week. One of the bigger news that kind of got lost in the shuffle with everything going on, 
Uh, Dutch Fork, ranked number 18 in the country in the Max Preps poll, number 19 in the USA Today poll, and that is nationally. So congratulations to them. Uh, you know, I I jumped on to Southern Sports Central last night. We were talking about some about Dutch Fork. They may not be what they were in years past, but you know, Dutch Fork, much like Alabama on the college level, or much like New England in on the NFL level, no matter how weak the team looks in any given season, you cannot bet against Dutch Fork. That is for sure. Uh, you know that there's still going to be a big, big matchup and a tough out 5A in the lower state. So, once again, congratulations to them. Some other note, the uh, Mr. Football finalists were announced uh for this for this season, Tyreon Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney uh, was the first man announced, and he's got some big news for everyone this week. Actually, today he will be making his commitment later on today. So everyone, be sure to keep an eye out for that. He's got some big time offers from around the country. So it will be very interesting to see where he ends up landing. We tried to get him on the show for this morning, but he could not make it. We were going to try to have him make his commitment on the show this morning. Uh, Ahmad Green from May River, also a finalist, as is Gregory Johnson from Northwestern, Willis Lane from Camden, and Robbie Oates out from Rock Hill. He's already committed to Alabama. So some big time names, one Alabama uh commit already as one of the Mr. Football finalists for the season and another guy that probably may very well be joining him towards the SEC if not actually Alabama himself uh but definitely going to a Power 5 school in Tyreon Ingram Dawkins. Since we're talking about it, I might as well go through some of the recruiting notes for this week. Riggs Falkenberry from Greenville was offered by Wofford. Howie Thomas from Walhalla was offered by Western Carolina. Ashton Whitner from Greenville was offered by Princeton. So another Ivy League guy uh, or another potential Ivy League guy. And that's that's always great to see. I was talking about it when I was covering uh, for Mrs. V on the high school blitz. It's always it, it it's always good to see that these kids are not only doing well on the football field, but are doing well enough in the classroom that they're getting offered by Ivy Leagues. That's impressive. That that's you know it's impressive on a football level to see a guy get recruited by an Alabama or get recruited by Clemson or get recruited by Ohio State, one of the powerhouses. But it's it's equally as impressive as a result of the classroom to see guys get offered by Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Columbia, Dartmouth. And there's a few. There's a good few that, that have gone to Ivy Leagues. 
know, one one in particular that that I that I always think of uh you know on the you know from around here is is Darren Stanley who was from Conway and he's now at Dartmouth. He was actually named to the uh, South Carolina Football Hall of Fame preseason all SC, all South Carolina team. So, you know, he he's doing well not only in the classroom but on the football field as well. So, you know, congrats to all the guys that are are getting those Ivy League uh, offers. Moving on, Presbyterian had a busy uh, week here in South Carolina. Offered Donovan Edwards from Camden, Eric Rice from AC Floor, who he keeps on getting offers from various schools, as well as Sean Perkins from Travelers Rest, all offered by Presbyterian. Luke Evans from Abbeville was offered by Campbell. Colin Sadler from Greenville, he was offered by Iowa, big-time recruit there. He's gotten offered by a bunch of different schools around the country, and now he's got a Big Ten offer. Monroe Freeling from Oceanside Collegiate, he was offered by Georgia. That's another big one. Uh, he is uh, he is another big, big recruit here in the state of South Carolina. Byron Young, junior college player from originally from Originally from Carver's Bay, he was offered by Florida State. He's got a big, he's got a big uh, offer right there. Robbie Harrison, who's been on the recruiting trail a bunch over the last couple of weeks, over the last month or so, he's out of Emerald. He was offered by East Carolina. EJ Everett, 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 excuse me, from Seneca, offered by West Virginia. Terrence Gist from Greenville committed to Air Force. So congrats to him. Trevor Timmons of Blythewood committed to Charlotte. Another Ivy League guy, Noble Cooper from Blythewood, he committed to Brown. And like I mentioned, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney committing today. He is the number one recruit in the state of South Carolina. And... He's got some big time offers. He's going to be a guy to definitely keep a lookout for moving forward uh, this season, and 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 moving forward, you know, in, into his college career. Definitely going to be something to keep an eye on throughout the day to see when he officially commits. Some. Uh, We'll go around the Grand Strand real quick. First, first the uh, Grand Strand recap from last week. Sumter beat Conway 35-0. Not really all that surprising there. Conway, unfortunately, not quite the team that they used to be. And Sumter is definitely the cream of the crop over in Region 6. Carolina Forest beat St. James 70-28. to it was their biggest scoring output in program history. But what's surprising about the game, what's most surprising, is that it was a close game in the first half. Carolina Forest only actually got their first lead of the game right at the end of the first half when they scored a touchdown following an interception 
Uh, and that finally put them up to 28-21. But after the touchdown, or after the you know interception and subsequent touchdown, after halftime, Carolina Forest just came out on fire and just dominated the second half. And that's how they got their 70-28 to win. North Merrill Beach beat West Florence 28-21 in what was a very close game, very entertaining game over in Little River. Wilson, the big, big news this week, 41-38. And that makes this week's game for Myrtle Beach all the more important. Uh, We'll talk to Brandon Dunn about that later on. Uh, But what makes it even more important now is next week's matchup, between Myrtle Beach and North Myrtle, it makes it even more important because now, now, even if Myrtle Beach, if both of them had come into it undefeated, it still would have had that impact of, okay, you know, we can, we if we win this game, we're region champions. But especially now, North Myrtle can come into this game knowing all we have to do is win this game. Uh, but it makes it even more important because North, or excuse me, Myrtle Beach doesn't want to lose two games in three weeks going into the playoffs. That's something that the Seahawks do not want to have to contend with, especially with how well they've been playing prior to that loss and the fact that they've been the odds-on favorites to win region or region, well, win region six, but win four A for the whole season. Some other uh, scores from last week: Hartsville beat South Florence forty-two thirty-four. Dillon beat Georgetown fifty-two nothing, while Anor beat Loris forty-five twenty-six, which sets up an interesting matchup this week. Although. Officially, well, there. Uh, well, this uh, Loris is actually facing Dylan. Excuse me, uh, not Anor. Uh, but it still sets up an interesting matchup, which you know there's a lot of different maths that's involved. But Loris still does have a chance to make the playoffs officially. But they're going to need to do a lot. We'll talk to Brandon Dunn about that later on uh, and what what his thoughts are on the matter and, and if he has some update on how the math stacks out, up. Out of area recap, Dorman beat Spartanburg 21 nothing last week. Dorman clinched the playoff spot with that win, but they have a big matchup this week. We'll talk about that one later on. Boiling Springs beat Greenwood 27-24. And that made things interesting uh, uh, over... It it was a non-region game, but it was still kind of... It was an interesting uh, game with, with Greenwood, especially craziness that happened over in Region 2 4A 
Ridgeview beat Blythewood seven nothing, and I mean, Ridgeview clinched the playoff berth with the win, but it it's still it's crazy to see a seven to nothing game, especially in high school. You know, nowadays you don't really see much defense uh, in high school football, and to see that type of score is is kind of surprising. But hey, I'm I'm all for it. I love seeing defense. I'm one of those guys that love seeing the battle in the trenches. Berkeley beat Kane Bay twenty to nothing. They clinch a playoff berth with that win. Fort Georgester won the big one, the battle for the Region 8-5A title, beating Somerville in a nail-biter, 35-34. Richie Altman may be calling in later on, and I'm sure I'll talk to him about that uh, when he does call what his thoughts on that game were since he uh, was in the... And I think we may have Richie on right now. Richie, how's it going? Good morning, good morning, good morning. What's up, buddy? It's Friday, it's game day, and uh, boy, good night, think of light. I'm sitting here on hold, and I and I hear you finishing up the conversation about that uh, instant classic uh, game I was a part of last Friday night. Yeah, great minds must think alike. Give me your thoughts. What what was the biggest takeaway that you had from that nail biter uh, last week against Somerville? So last week, you know, everything on the line in this Region 8 conversation with Somerville coming over to the fort, you know, there's two things that you get looking forward to as October starts to happen this time of year in high school football. And and that is, of course, the fair comes to town in in Charleston. And, well, normally, because this year it doesn't. But you always see towards the end of October that, that big matchup between Somerville, Fort Dorchester, two rival teams. And it is everything you could imagine on a Friday night. I mean, the air is just different. You know, the atmosphere is 100% different. The crowd is, is around. Of course, this year a little bit smaller, but still, everybody tried to get in when they can get in. And it started off just like we thought it would. It was a couple of great jabs. You know, uh, Ford, I, I think, kind of needed to get some things going for some reason. They were maybe a little overexcited. And that happens a lot of times because they knew, just like Somerville knew, that they had – the game on the line of winning the region, getting that number one position, staying home all the way until the semis. And uh, that all that played into part was Somerville threw everything, the kitchen sink, you name it, they threw it and ran it and, and gave the Ford all they could handle, especially in the first two quarters. And then I give my hats off to the guys over at Fort and Coach Bobby, the defensive coordinator, goes in, not sure what he told them. Definitely want to have him come over to my house and talk to my kids when they're not doing what they need to do because they came out. The defense looked totally different. They were down 28-14. They came back, ended up 28-28, scored, waited 35-28. And then Somerville, with not many seconds left, puts a, a six points on the board. They go for two to win the game, right? And that's what you do. That's the right call for those who want to say, well, he should have went for one and played in overtime. Not when you're on the road and you got that momentum. He did what he needed to do. He went for that Philly special over to the visitor's side. That's his home side over there where Somerville stood, and he missed it. They hit the quarterback coming out of the backfield. That messed everything up. And as you probably have already said, Fort Dorchester now holds that region title for the eighth time in their uh, lifespan. And, you know, you look at it like this. Somerville 
is the main school that kind of everybody spun off from, Ashley Ridge and Fort Dorchester. So there's a lot of family ties in here. There's a lot of uh, kids that went to middle school and then were separated in high school. You know, there's so much that you have to take away the record that some of them brought in and just put in the rivalry, which I know you guys at Carolina Force get to do that with Conway. And uh, it is as advertised, an instant classic. Now, Somerville, with the loss, we'll see in round one, Dutch Fort, us at the fort, over, us at the fort are waiting to see, and we believe it's River Bluff, as we'll be uh, scoreboard watching here tonight. But we're pretty sure it's those guys. They just haven't kind of penciled them in, and that'll be, of course, for round one. Yeah, that – and and that's what made that game even more important because the loser had to go and travel to Dutch Fork. And we all know how tough Dutch Fork is, especially at home. Uh, so, yeah, that was a big win. I'm not sure. And I think I probably have to agree with you on the, on the two persons. That's one of the big debates that will never go away, will never end is, when when you're when you score what could be the game tying touchdown at the end of the game, do you just kick the field goal and go to overtime, or do you go for two and and try to win the game outright right there? It, it's it's something that everyone has an opinion on. Would love to hear everyone's thoughts on that as well. Uh, but the big to- the, the big topic this morning is what should the playoffs look like moving forward? I definitely want to get your thoughts on it. Where do you stand on on my topic for this morning? Well, you know, I looked at it last night when you guys put it over there on, on Summit Sports Central on the Twitter page, man. And, you know, and, and I go back and forth with it. Do I, you know, you look at it, 16 teams, two per region, 24, three per region, 32, four per region. I like the 16. It makes you battle. It makes you get better. It makes you take every game serious. There's no off days, right? That's life. That's what we deal with in the real world. And if we're preparing these young athletes for that of the real world, because one day they will not play football, it's just reality. I like the two per region and two and 16 teams. I do not have a problem with three because a lot of times, and you've seen that in 4A football up there in Greenville, they were a three-way tie with two other teams with the same record, beat one of the other two teams, and but because of a point differential, they're out. So I don't yeah. mind with three. I do have a problem with four teams. Uh-huh. I think 32 teams, it's too much of everybody getting a trophy. And I think you reward upon success, and that will, of course, instill that into these young athletes as they get to become grown men. Yeah, I think we can both agree. I think just about everyone can agree. Well, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'll go over the full uh, poll results at the end of the show. But I think most can agree that the 32-team system is just way too bloated. It allows teams that have under 500 records to get in. Uh, but that's right. the whole reason why I thought of this was because of the whole controversy this week with Greer and Greenwood and Greenfield. And I think that's why the the 2014 system would work the best is because just what you were talking about right there, with every game mattering and you having to win and having to compete to get in, 
it still keeps that. It still retains that because the winners of each region will get a buy. So it makes that yeah. region championship just as much as just as important as you have it in the 16 team playoffs, if not potentially even more important. Yeah, and, and, you know, and I don't know if I'm really all about somebody getting a buy. You know, if I'm a coach in high school football, I don't really want to buy. I want to keep my momentum. I've earned the number one spot because I was the best team in in that conversation. So, for me, I I don't want to buy. Just like the questions asked this weekend, you know, do you lay your guys off if you've already secured your spot in the region play? You don't because it's going to be a lot harder to get these young men up and running. It's like putting a car – over in the garage, you know, it's a little chillier this morning down here in the low country than it was yesterday, right? Yesterday, about 75 degrees coming out of the house this morning. Went back in and had to get my scully and had to get me something over my arms because it's a little chillier. So moving's not as easy. That's my concern of how many of these young men, they, they do sit down. We'll wait and see. Again, we'll wait and see. You know, Somerville, by the way, back last week, that's the first time that the fourth all right, that's the first time the Ford has played their starters in all four quarters. Most of the time, they're out by halftime. So there is some of that, I think, that could have played into the conversation as well. But you look at it this weekend, you've got a big game up there in the upstate. If you're here in South Carolina, you need to be keeping an eye on that Burns and Dormans game. That's going to determine, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that region. But it's going yes, to be a huge deal. And this coach at Burns, looking to get that uh, – Looking to get that doorman off his back instead of saying monkey off his back because I don't think he's beat those guys just yet. It's going to be a big one. We had on their voice of uh, Burns Rebels last night. Uh, Cole Bryce was with us last night. And um, like I tell you, I'm looking forward to that game. In 3A football, in 3A football tonight, again, both of these teams have already clinched their spot. Now, one team is a 2A, and that's Bray Collegiate. They keep beating dogs day and night. They beat Newberry last week like a drum. They're coming to Charleston tonight. They're going to play at Johnson Hagen Stadium with the Citadel plays. And, Brandon, I got to tell you, they're going to be playing against a very well-coached-up team, and that is the Landsharks of Oceanside. Their sister schools, brother schools, or sibling schools, I don't know how they want to say it. They're part of that 12, you know, uh, situation that they got going under there with Pinnacle, which I think is a really impressive deal because their grades are up. They're, uh, of course, they're winning. They're doing it all the right way. But uh, we had both of their coaches on. Uh, Monday night, no, was it Wednesday night? We had three shows this week, so yeah, Wednesday night, and uh, that game's going to kick off at seven thirty, and then of course, uh, you know, Somerville, and one of the oldest rivalries in the state of South Carolina, will be hosting on their senior night, Berkeley, the Stags. It's two traditional helmets that will go head to head when that thing kicks off at seven thirty over in the Ville, and I know I'm looking forward to this one. This is a big four A game that uh, you're going to be getting the call. And that's, of course, bringing Buford up. You guys, I know you are well aware of what Buford can bring. They've got a kid named Ethan Smalls who is really big and really fast. He's got an offer as a freshman to the University of South Carolina. Keep an eye on that kid. And then you've got DePass, Daryl DePass. That kid is one of the best defensive backs. I think he's also a sophomore, but he's really, really, really good. And I think he's going to bring a lot of noise. And don't forget on the other side of the ball, running back and quarterback and two wide receivers that are fast. But here's the key. Don't go against that coach in Carolina Forest because that guy continues to coach up and do the right things. There's just, again, we've, we've, we've punched tickets, we've handed them out, but there's still a lot of great football, and I can't wait. I know I'm heading over to Wando tonight to call for Fort against uh, Wando. That's a non-region game. The Fort trying to stay 
six and zero, which would be undefeated, as uh, they have uh, a couple more games to go in the 2020 regular season. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to see, like you mentioned, that that Carolina Forest against Buford game tonight is going to be a lot of fun to watch. 5A versus 4A, two top-ranked teams in the state. And, you know, I think that that's another thing that's, you know, going to be interesting to see moving forward how they play the set. Obviously, this year, with everything going on, they wanted to get the region games out of the way early. But it does kind of, you know, and you mentioned it, there are still some good games out there, obviously, and there are still some some good matchups, some interesting matchups you can 5A versus 4A, 4A versus 3A, the the battles of different regions. But ha- not having outside of some matchups, like, you know, obviously you got North Myrtle against Myrtle next week. Uh, and there's maybe one or two other big games that will determine playoff spots next week. Outside of that, it is kind of disappointing, though, that we don't get those big matchups in the final week of the season where everything is riding on it. So I certainly hope that that comes back uh, next season. And, you know, as always, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, how, how they handle this moving forward. It's been Great talking to you, Richie. I'm sure you'll probably call in uh, later on as well. Uh, But with uh, Wes Kerr about to come on in just a little bit, I'll take a quick break and come right back with Wes Kerr from Loco Sports. Brandon, don't forget, don't forget next week, next week, you guys got that North Myrtle Beach and Myrtle Beach game. I know you said you didn't, but you do. You guys do have a 4A matchup and it's right in your backyard next week. Winner take all next week. So that yeah, is no, I, but, I mentioned uh, that one. That is one the one big matchup that we will have next week. Oh yeah, man. Hey, you guys have a great show. I'm out for the rest of the day. I'm gonna be listening to you as uh, I get ready for my game tonight. Tell Wes we said what's up. And uh, hey, man, have a good call tonight, brother. Appreciate what you're doing out here. Yep. You too, Richie. Talk to you later. Once again, always fun talking to Richie Altman. Uh, Host of Southern Sports Central, play-by-play guy over at the Fort. So he's always fun to talk with. So like I mentioned, I'll take a quick break. Come right back. We'll have Wes Kerr from Loco Sports coming on in just a few minutes. So be sure to stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And as promised, we've got Wes Kerr from Loco Sports joining us this morning. Wes, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Um, we uh, we talked about it last week. I've heard some rumors and rumblings, but I wanted to get uh, what you've last heard. What's the official uh, ruling that we've heard that has happened around Region Seven in regards to Hilton Head and their future? Yeah, they're, they're still making a decision based on, uh, on what they see over this past week and then what the status of the virus is. And, and uh, obviously there's still a lot of uh, questions on the table on, on how they'll proceed, and, and uh, we'll see what the decision is. Obviously, you want to give the most fair opportunity for both Meg River and Hilton Ed to, to play out as much of the schedule as they can and, and make it fair uh, for, for the best two teams to, to claim their spots in the postseason. So uh, we should know very soon what's going to happen uh, next week with, with um, the, the results of, of their discussions. And so uh, hopefully we'll be able to see um, Hilton Head uh, back out there and, and uh, we, we have a fair fair result on uh, the, the playoff teams coming out of that region. And uh, May River Hilton Head, that could certainly still be on the table. Uh, we could see Hilton Head Carlton. We could see some uh, other situation where um, uh, we could see an at-large team come from, from that region if uh, – if uh, one of those who doesn't make it uh, will be able to apply, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, fair to way to do it would be uh, uh, May River Hilton Head um, playing for that 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 last playoff spot because uh, uh, Buford it looks pretty much uh, guaranteed that there's a region champs, and uh, I think it's uh, May River playing Hilton Head could be a certain possibility. Uh, here, but there are other options that they're considering, and so uh, we'll, we'll see what they what they will do, uh, uh, and they should make the call uh, uh, pretty soon, and then and we'll see what happens next weekend because uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of disappointing for Hilton Head, though, because they're undefeated. So, you know, while, yes, you don't know if they would have been Buford, they would have potentially had that opportunity of winning the region right. if they would have been able to get all their games in. Moving over to Buford, they have an interesting little matchup tonight in non-region play, coming all the way up here to Myrtle Beach and facing off against 5A Carolina Forest. What what do you think about that matchup going into it? Uh, what can we expect from Buford for those of us who have not seen them uh, on the field? And, you know, how how much of an impact does that type of travel have on a team? Game very uh, very last minute because of course they they lost um, their their contest which was going to be against Hilton Head on Friday but because they they won't be able to do that their what uh, Price Leiden was able to quickly get a game with Carolina Forest so that's that's an awesome uh, job by by the Beaver Eagles able to pick up this game because uh, uh, these are these are quality teams that you're, you're going to play I mean Carolina Forest. Um, ranked at 5A, number 10. That's a, that's going to be an excellent test uh, for the Buford Eagles. And, and playing, playing a tough team, playing a quality team like that, that's just going to help your squad moving forward into the playoffs. And, and yeah, it's certainly uh, travel going on the road. That's, that's a difficult thing to do. Um, and, and, and we'll see how they'll be able to, to if they can if they can start finding their group quickly. Sometimes uh, going on the road, it's difficult to, to, to have such a, a sound um, – 
offense early, and 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 we'll see because Tyler Haley has been has, has been incredible this year, uh, just putting up some great numbers through the air. But he's also a threat on the ground. Uh, then they got Amari Morris, who, who's who's that uh, uh, who's, who's got some great ground game as well. And then uh, Tyler Haley, he, he he's been able to uh, throw it to several several really good receivers. Marcus Goodwater is their deep threat, but they also have Casey Fields, who's um, been great at picking up yards. Key matchup uh, in this contest is going to be. Uh, Luke Janik, who's been just amazing, uh, uh, pick, picking up yards uh, th- this year for uh, the Carolina Forest Panthers against uh, an unstoppable and amazing defensive line from Buford, Iman Small, Theo Washington, Alvin Wilson, who uh, just they they were completely stuffing a Mod Green, who's uh, who's just named uh, one of the, the top five players with Mr. Football. Uh, he, he's just been amazing, but the, the Buford defensive line just kept. Stuffman, and every time they 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 ran with a mod, so that's how good this this defensive line is. Um, it's going to be a big test against some a really really great offense in Carolina Forest and, and Luke Janik, who's just been uh, outstanding this year. And, and so that I'm, I'm interested to see how Buford does. Um, uh, one one key note is uh, Gerald Pass, uh, the defensive back, will, will will not play in this game. Uh, I think he'll be back soon, but that's the important piece of the Buford Eagles that they will be without. Um, on the in, the in their secondary, so uh, we'll see how how that um, impacts the game. Uh, it should uh, be uh, uh, a, a sign for for Carolina Forest that maybe they'll be able to um, attack the attack the secondary with with the passing game and, and Adam Janik um, and some of their other receivers. So uh, it, it's really a, it's a, it, I think it's a great contest for both teams for Buford. You're trying to kind of see a, give a litmus test to where you are because you just ran through your region, but you haven't had that that big time opponent yet. So. Uh, this is an opportunity for Buford to really make a statement against a great 5A team and take advantage of these games. You want to build on what you've done so far uh, going into the postseason, and then you have the opportunity to do that against a really great Buford defensive line. And I think that will, will really say something if that, if that if those blockers are, will, will, will be able to to uh, hold down a, a really, really great line and, and, ha- and have some success running the ball and, and passing as well. And so and for Buford, I mean, Carolina Forest does present some, some challenges on defense too. And, and I mean, if you're Tyler Haley, it's an opportunity for you to really make a statement yourself and, and, and for that offense so to really show they can do it against the best. So uh, it's going to be a great matchup. I think Carolina Forest has the edge force. They're playing at home. I mean, they're averaging 44 points per game. Uh, they've been playing some quality teams, just beat St. James uh, and Conway. And, and the only loss was to Sumter in overtime. So uh, they've had a, a fantastic resume so far just on the on, on the um, records that they had so far. Uh, Buford hasn't had that, that real – real top-level team that they've been able to face so far. So uh, I think you got to give the edge to Carolina Forest, but Buford certainly has the talent uh, to stay in this ballgame. Yeah, it, it's going to be a great one to watch. It's going to be a great one for me to be able to call tonight. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, by the way, make sure to uh, let your people know down there, and if you want to post it on your uh, preview tonight, uh, I can send you the link to the broadcast. Uh, so that everyone down there who probably won't be making the full trip all the way up here to the Grand Strand, uh, Carolina Forest. Has, have the coaches been saying anything for Buford? Have they been saying anything uh, in particular about the matchup and about travel and all of that uh, going heading into this one? I think they're excited for the opportunity to play a team like Carolina Forest. I mean, I thought Bryce Labyrin, uh, uh did a fantastic job uh, thinking about uh, – I mean, they, they could have taken a week off. They could have played a lesser opponent. But playing a challenging team like this, that really pumps you up. That motivates you um, to getting out there and really showing what you're, what you're capable of and just uh, 
proving that, that you belong on, on, on the on the elite tier of, of high school football. And so I think the coaches are ready. I think they're going to uh, be, be excited about bringing their team in. It's, it just really shows how, how good this team can be. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, the travel, the, that's something that uh, uh, sometimes can, can be tough, but I think they're, they're, they're ready and, and, and looking forward to this matchup to, to really see how, how good their team is. And uh, if, if it doesn't go well, it really um, can, can help improve them going to the playoffs because a good team will, will expose you for, for some, some weaknesses, and, and that's going to just help you going forward. So I think they're excited for the opportunity. Another team – well, the other – potential team to make it to the playoffs in May River. They also have to travel out of the area, not quite as far as Buford does, but they go up to Orangeburg Wilkinson. Uh, what do you see coming out of that matchup and, and what does May River have to do to win that one? It's going to be another uh, interesting one because uh, May River, uh, I mean, they, they've been, they've been solid this season, except for that, that Buford game where they just, uh, made a couple mistakes and, and just let it snowball from there. And they couldn't get the offense going either. And uh, uh, they, they've been, they've been solid against some of the lesser teams in, in that region, but uh, as, as you, it's, you haven't had um, a lot of those tests against, against quality teams. Now they were off last week because the Hilton Head game was canceled. So I uh, said so that rest could certainly help, but uh, Ahmad Green's going to have to step up and be a star like he's been uh, his entire career, as I said, he was just named Mr. Football for or Mr. Football uh, finalist for South Carolina. Uh, this is a guy who passed for over a thousand yards and twelve touchdowns, rushed for one thousand three hundred ninety yards and twenty three touchdowns in twenty nineteen. Just amazing numbers, and and he's just a he's a guy. Uh, I mean, you just uh, every time he gets the ball, you're, you're hoping like he's a chance to take it to the end zone, and, and he just has that. Um, at least spark in, in 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 the run game, but um, he can also throw it too. But just uh, uh, just an amazing energy and just a guy who's just so electric out there, and uh, he he just has that star power to take over a game. He's normally the best player on the field um, in, in a lot of those region games, and uh, well deserving of that of that honor to be nominated uh, for for Miss South Carolina, Mr. Football. Um, and, and he's going to have to to put up a big performance against a a, a very good Orangeburg Wilkinson defense and. Uh, you know, it's just a really good test. You want to put yourself through on the road against a quality opponent to, in the air. What happens from here? Because uh, I mean, we don't know what's what's the you know, fate of how the, the region is decided uh, because of Hilton has only played the two games so far. Uh, and, and, I mean, so it's, it's been interesting to see what they do. As as we said um, at the top, but uh, Orangeburg. Uh, now, here's the interesting thing about Orangeburg. Their offense. Uh, they stuttered uh, last week against Brooklyn Casey. They lost 24 nothing. Uh, the, the offense has been a little disappointing for Orangeburg, so it's a chance for them to, to find it. But, but May River, uh, a very solid defense. Eli Hall is a star um, leading uh, the, the, the low country area in tackles. Uh, but you get Anthony Nelson, Kate Carpenter packing them up on linebacker, and Stefan Gatson, uh, probably uh, one of the best defensive backs, uh, if not the best defensive back in the area. Uh, and then Rhett Harrell's um, played very well on the defensive line. So uh, May Rivers defense, uh, they'll be given a big test. I think Orangeburg Wilkinson has the talent to slip some some points uh, in, in in this game. Uh, they got some really really elite talent at, at wide receiver, and Anthony Mack's been a solid quarterback. So uh, we'll we'll see uh, how 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 the Orangeburg May River defense, who who has been uh, they've been good at times, but uh, Buford was able to pick them apart. So um, for for over 35 points. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. May River wants to make the defense, wants to make a statement, especially against a team 
it has been struggling to to get their uh, offense going last week. So uh, it should be an interesting one. But uh, I, I think uh, May, May River, they, they as, as Buford, May River is an opportunity to kind of um, get things in the right direction uh, going into the postseason. And uh, I think that the key is will be the, the offensive line uh, will, will be a big part of that. I think Mox and Zier and Garrett Bonneville, they're, they're veterans uh, in the, in this program. They need to show up to give uh, an opportunity for May Rivers to run the football. They they really uh, focus on running the ball. You got Samad Green, the star quarterback, but you also got some really nice running backs and Cameron Scott and Jaden Jones, who really have, have been fantastic this year. Uh, they don't pass the ball as often. Uh, they they do have some some receivers and then Melvin Liverman, Stephen Gadsden also uh, does it on 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 offense at wide receiver. But the run game is is the focal point of the offense, and so uh, it's, it's Mox and Zier and Garrett Bonneville uh, going to have to try to give some running room to to those those Reed who uh, is, a, is a monster running the football. So should be a a, a interesting matchup here. Uh, I think May River uh, definitely has a shot to to really uh, make themselves, uh, put themselves in a good position uh, momentum-wise and, and make sure uh, things are, are going right for them going into the postseason, kind of chance to um, correct some mistakes maybe. But uh, obviously, uh, it may River, you kind of don't know where you're going from here, but, but you just want to take it one game at a time. You want to put up a good showing here just to build some momentum going forward. You, you talked about uh... – you know, Ahmad Green being named one of the finalists for Mr. Football South Carolina this season. Looking at the list that came out yesterday, um, I I think it might have been actually Wednesday that it came out. Uh, but who's your favorite right now? Does Green have a chance of winning it? Or, you know, who who do you see as being the odds-on favorite at this moment? Yeah, I, I think there's uh, some great talent on this list. Uh, I, 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 Mod Green, I, he's a, he's fantastic. He's he's been a, a star, four-year starter, just an amazing, amazing uh, contribution to this Mayweather program. Completely turned, or I mean, they they only started a couple of years ago. He, he turned put this program to amazing heights in such a short time. But uh, it it we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, they got some great nominees. Uh, Defensive lineman from Gaffney, Tyron Ingram Dawkins, uh, Gregory Johnson the third from Northwestern, running back Willis Lane from Camden, um, and then uh, Robbie Oates, the the tight end from Rock Hill, who's committed to Alabama. Um, so uh, I think there's a lot of great choices here. Um, Ahmad Green, I'm not so sure. I think he's got a shot, but I I, I think um, there, there's some talent here from some big time schools when you're looking at the, the top tier. Um, programs in South Carolina. I, I normally think those would be favorites, uh, but I, I do think Ahmad Green has got an outside chance. But uh, um, when, when you got a guy committed to Alabama, um, a guy like a, a beast lineman on a on a, a top tier program in South Carolina, uh, that's going to be some some big competition in terms of who they choose. But I, I, I'm just really um, um, I, I'm very proud of Ahmad to be named to this list, and, and we'll just see see how it goes from here. And then he's certainly got an outside shot, but there's some great candidates uh, that are going to be competing for, for that title. One final question before you let you we let you go. Uh, the big question that I've had, the big topic of discussion I've had this morning has been where the SEHSL should go moving forward about the playoffs. Should they keep this 16-team, two-per-region format? Should they go back to the original 32 teams? Or what I've been saying, what my thoughts are, is split the difference. Have three per region. The number one seed gets uh, the first round by, 
and you have 24 teams in total in the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that? Where, what do you think uh, the playoffs should look like moving forward past this year? I think you bring up a great point in terms of uh, that design for the playoffs. And uh, it's interesting because um, I, I think, I think the 24 team system is perfect because I, 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 I kind of like the importance of, a re- of the regular season determining uh, which teams move on. I, I, I think the playoffs should be uh, a little more selective in, t- in terms of teams that make it. I, I like, uh, but I do think 16 teams uh, is a little, little too, uh, too few because I think there are some quality teams that are left out uh, in some regions, especially. Um, I mean, one possibility is, is you could have some kind of system where you award um, playoff first to the top two, and then you go by like an at-large system where you choose some of the best teams that are um, that are outside of that uh, those qualifications. So, uh, yeah, I think there's some different ways that you can do it. I do think that uh, the 32 teams, I, I do think sometimes uh, – it makes the regular season games less important uh, because mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the times um, some of the teams that are playing have really um, have already qualified and 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 it, it sometimes you, you get some teams that that really aren't at the level of, of I mean you get some matchups between a one seed and a four seed that are just uh, you, you don't like seeing those blowouts of of, of 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 a four seed coming into a one seed the top tier in, in the state and then blowing them out. like I, I just I think it, you should reward those those top seeds with a buy, and then have the two and the three um, play it out to move on. I think that's a perfect setup uh, because I think it's it's you don't have too few teams or or, or you you don't have too many either. So I think it's a it's a perfect spot to kind of uh, set up a playoff um, environment. And and the other options you could do is I do like the the um, idea of having at large teams because I think it it, it makes it so. Those those non-region games are important and could decide your fate going forward. I think that's uh, it kind of raises that intensity all season long. So I do like the the opportunity of of, of having that that some out large spots to 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 kind of um, compare different teams and in different regions and, and which team played the tougher schedule, which team did the best against quality opponents. So uh, definitely a lot of options at the table, and they'll discuss this going forward. I don't think it'll be. Uh, just simply, let's go back to 32 teams. They, they definitely could have a discussion going forward on on what is is most fair uh, format to use, and then what would be best in, in terms of determining a champion. Yeah, I I really like the 24 team idea. I think it, it's really uh, I think it, it's the most fair uh, in, in my opinion uh, because the one seed gets a buy, and then you have those two and three seeds uh, battled out to, to move on. And and I I just I I'm not really big into those those ones. I mean, obviously sometimes there's upsets, but I'm just not really big into the so the the one versus four uh, matchup a lot of the times because normally they 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 don't end well for the four seed. So, but but we'll see what they do. Um, and, and it's an interesting topic to to talk about going forward. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely something that you know. Uh, it was just kind of something that Ian Garen and I were talking about last week, kind of in passing, and it really clicked with me this week that hey, the the twenty four team system would be the best of the worlds essentially where you get the importance of the regular season that we've had this season uh, with the 16 teams without having the problems that we've also seen this year, both of teams clinching too early and knowing exactly who they're facing off by week four. And then also the, the issue that we've seen in, in region two, four a, 
of three teams being four and one or three and one and one of them not making the playoffs. So uh, definitely, definitely hoping that this, this format can kind of make the rounds and, and we get the uh, SEHSL starting to talk and, and maybe get this system into play. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. And I, I do think that you want to make sure the, the regular season is important because I, I, I and, but you also want to make sure you, you have uh, enough teams that, that are, 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 that should be in. And, and sometimes you have a great region where, I mean, you have some really good teams, but only two get in. And, and that's just uh, disappointing for, especially when you have that tie. So I think three is, is just the, it's the perfect fit um, to, to make sure you have a quality opponent to make sure the regular season is important. And you kind of um, don't want to have like at the end of the season, you kind of want to know where you're facing. So uh, I think it's a great uh, kind of a decision for the South Carolina high school league uh, if they decide to make it. And, and so we'll see what they do from here. Definitely. Definitely. Well, once again, Wes, it was great talking to you. And uh, where, where are you going to be tonight? I'm um, heading over to Hilton Head Christian Academy, big rivalry, cross-island rivalry between Hilton Head Prep and Hilton Head Christian Academy. Uh, some some playoff completions on the line, so it should be a fun night. Well, have fun over there tonight, and uh, we'll maybe talk to you next week. Thank you. Once again, that was Wes Kerr with Loco Sports, and, yeah, we uh, we had some great had a great conversation with him uh always fun talking with the guys down at loco sports and and like i mentioned you know uh like we were talking about you know the big conversation this uh for this show has been what should the SEHSL do moving forward in terms of playoffs in terms of the bracket how many teams make it in should they stick with the 16-team format that they've got currently? Should they go back to 32? Or what What initially we came up, I kind of came up with on the fly last week and then really developed uh, throughout the week is a 24-team playoff system where the top three teams from each region get in, the, the number one seeded team of each region gets a bye with the two and three teams the two and three seeds playing it out in the first round before moving on to the round of 16. Uh, and I understand what Richie said earlier. And for those of you who didn't listen, who weren't listening at the time when Richie Altman was on, he mentioned how, especially in high school, you may, you know, coaches may not necessarily want that buy. And you do run the risk of teams coming out flat because of the bye. You see it in the NFL all the time where the number one seed kind of takes it easy towards the end of the regular season because they already know that they're in. And then they get the bye week and and it kind of makes – it kind of throws them for a loop and they're not as ready – once they get into that first playoff game. And I get that. I understand that. But in time, I think most number one seeded teams 
as long as they play their game, they should be able to win those matchups. Yeah, you may see some upsets here and there, and that's fine. You know, and that's on the coaches. You know, you can't, like, yeah, you know, a a bad coach will blame it on the system and will say, oh, we had the bye week, we, we lost focus, or we we didn't have the momentum coming into this one, and that's why we lost. A good a good coach will understand that there are ways to keep that momentum up. You have big time practices. You have, uh, you know, you have the team prepared and keep them at that level throughout that bye week, and keep them ready and focused for the next week. So that's that's. I just think that the the twenty four team system would be the best system overall. But like I said, like I've been saying all show, I want to get your guys' thoughts. I want to get everyone's thoughts. Call on in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-789-6-8-1. We also have the poll up on Southern Sports Central Twitter, at SO Sports Central. Uh, so go go vote on that. Um, you know, so... That's uh, that's what we've got in store uh, for the rest of the show. Um, still talking about that. I'll talk about some national news for the next half hour. And then we've got Brandon Dunn from WPDE coming on at 9 to run down everything on the Grand Strand. So be sure to keep it locked right here to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. Take a quick break. Come right back with some national news, talk about, and get you ready for Friday Night Lights tonight here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche, I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that forest now, can't nobody tell me nothing. Rockstar 
guitar. Spend a lot of money on my brand new guitar. Baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bras. Riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car. Got no stress, I've been through all that. I'm like a Marlboro man, so I keep going back. Wish I could roll on back to that old town road. I wanna ride till I can't go. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And like I mentioned, the big talking point today, what do you guys think the SEHSL should do about the playoff format moving forward? Be sure to call in. Give me your thoughts on that and anything else you want to talk about. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We didn't fully uh, go through the roundup for the rest of the state earlier, so I'll finish that off real quick. Westside beat Pickens 56-6, to clinching Region 1-4A. Pickens still not officially in the playoffs. They're still looking for that second spot over in Region 1. Greenville beat Eastside 42-13. In spite of, like we mentioned, and this was the whole reason why I, I I decided to have this be the talking point for today, for this morning. In spite of being 3-1 and one in region play, Greenville with the playoffs. Greer beat Lawrence 32-21. They officially win region 2, 4A, although all three teams are technically considered conference champions because they're all tied at four and one or at three and one uh apparently my calculations last week were completely wrong i thought greer needed some help in order to make it into the playoffs uh but apparently greenville was the one that was going to be the odd man out uh south point beat york 21-7 hanahan beat bishop england 49-13 they clinch a playoff berth with that win Camden beat Marlboro County 52-14. Powersville beat Southside 57-32. They clinch runner-up of Region 2-3A with that win. Abbeville beat Christ Church 46-0. St. Joseph's beat Landrum 34-17. They clinch a playoff berth uh, with that win. Gray Collegiate beat Newberry 34-28. Berg Leesville beat Saluda. 52-28. Barnwell beat Wade Hampton, 28-14. They clinch a playoff berth with that win. Woodland beat Timberville, 25-8. Andrews beat Latta, 42-18. And Lamar beat C.A. Johnson, 50-44. They clinch the Region 2-1A title with that win. Some games to watch this week. The big games to watch on the Grand Strand this week. Buford at Carolina Forest, like we mentioned, like we talked about with West. We'll talk about it with Brandon Dunn in a little bit as well. 
Battle between top teams in 5A and 4A. Carolina Forest ranked 10th in the 5A poll this week. Buford at 7 in the region for, in the 4A polls. And while we're I might as well talk about the polls this week. 5A, the only change this week, well, uh, Bowling Springs jumped from 10 to 9, and Carolina Forest went from not being ranked up to 10. Goose Creek dropped down out of the polls. They are still receiving votes, but they dropped from 9 out of the polls after their loss last week. Uh, Carolina Forest uh, jumps back up into the polls after not being ranked last week. That's going to be an interesting matchup, Goose Creek against Carolina Forest, because both of them have kind of been right on that cusp of the top 10 polls all season long and just essentially been trading spots for the majority of the season between being in the 10 spot or sometime in the, sometimes in the 9 spot and not being ranked. Uh, the only other change, Fort Dorchester dropped down to two while Gaffney went up to, or went dropped down to three while Gaffney went up to two from three. So just kind of a quick little switch there. Uh, not really sure why, but, you know, I guess because of the closeness of the Fort Dorchester win over Somerville as compared to Gaffney's win last week, which was a big, big blowout. Or actually, no, excuse me. They did not have a game last week. It was postponed. So I guess not, no game is better than a close game, according to the pollsters. Uh over in 4A, the the big news this week, Myrtle Beach, after that loss, drops all the way down from 1 to 5. Everyone else from one to four, from 2 to 5 move up a spot. AC Flora takes the number one spot with 13 first-place votes. North Myrtle Beach goes up to, from 3 to 2. Westside from 4 to 3. And South Point did get a first-place vote, actually. But they are at four, going up from five. Greer moves up from seven to six. Buford up from eight to seven. Greenville up from nine to eight. And Catalba Ridge jumps up from not being ranked up to ninth. Greenwood, after their loss, they also drop down from six all the way down to ten. So lots of movement. Every spot changed. In 4A this week, lots of movement in the top 10 this week. Uh, West Florence drops out of the top 10, and they are now receiving votes, as are North Augusta, Wilson, May River, Hilton Head, as well as West Florence. So lots of craziness. I think 4A overall, uh, going into these final couple of weeks of the season, 4A is the most interesting classification uh this you know 5a is pretty much done 5a we pretty much know where everyone's gonna be before there's a lot of spots that are still up for grabs going over to 3a the only movement this week was palmetto coming up from not being ranked taking over chester's spot at 10 Everyone else stays the same. Dylan, 11 first place votes. Chapman getting three. Over in 2A, 
Newberry drops down from five to from three to five, with Sharaw and Chesney taking their spot. Sharaw at three and Chesney at four. Spurgleesville jumps up from seven to six. Barnwell up from eight to seven. North Central jumps from ten to eight. Pelion goes from not being ranked up to nine, with Saluda dropping from number six to number ten after their loss last week. Also receiving votes, Andrews, Marion, Timberland, St. Joe's, Wade Hampton, Christchurch, Woodlawn, or Woodland, excuse me, and Philip Simmons. Over in 1A, a couple of pieces moving. Whale Branch dropped from 5 to 6, with Bamberg Earhart jumping from 6 to 5. Johnsonville goes down from, goes up from eight to, from 9 to 8, with Wagner Sally going down from 8 to 9. And Green Sea Floyd, which this is crazy, and, and you see it, you're, you're seeing it in 4A as well uh, with, with Greenville. Uh, Greenville even more so with them being at number eight. But Green Sea Floyd at number 10 coming back up into the polls, they they are not going to make the playoffs either. So that's why I think, and and like I mentioned, this all goes right back to my initial talking point. My main talking point of the morning is that fact that, you know, two teams are too little. Two teams are too few because there are teams that, I mean, and and you know, I'll I'll admit, it, you know, you know, and and we always say, you know, especially Richie always says, you don't want to make it like, you don't want to make it a situation where it feels like everyone's getting a trophy. You want to make these kids understand that the world's not fair sometimes, but at the same time. This is much like the the best comparison I can make to this is that is it is like in the NFL. It's like the difference certain regions in certain classifications are the equivalent of playing in either the NFC East as compared to the NFC West. If you're playing in the NFC East, you could be a mediocre team and still make it into the playoffs because your your division or in the high school level, your region is just that bad that you're just you're still winning the games you need to win against your region foes. On the flip side, you could be in the NFC West and you could have a great record, you could be over 500, you could be Ten and six, even theoretically, and not make it into the playoffs, and that's basically what happened with Greenville, Greenwood, and Greer this season, where they're all three of them are great teams, and because they all had to face each other, and they're all in the same region, and only two teams are able to make it in. One of them had to be left out, and I understand it. It kind of impact it, it. It enhances the competition, but at the same time, I feel like there is that happy medium. 
And this season, it sets it up so perfectly to get to that happy medium. Because we had four. We had four for the longest time. And that was always the, the big complaint that everyone had was that, oh, the first round doesn't really matter. The number one seeds almost always win. You don't really have much competition. The, fir- the four seeds, oftentimes you have under 500 teams making it in as a four seed. And do they really deserve to be in there? And I can understand the argument about money and, and you know those lower-end schools wanting to be able to get the revenue from playing a playoff game. And I understand that. I understand that entirely. But I just think that the competition would be so much better and the season, it, it's the best of both worlds. You have the importance of the season still because the number one seed in each region gets a bye. The champion of each region gets a bye. So the region championship actually means something. And at the same time, you don't have the situation like you've had in Region 2 4A where a 4-1 team or 3-1 team fails to make the playoffs because there are two other three and one teams in that region. So like I said, three teams hands down is the best option. Would love to get everyone's opinion on that. Call on in three, two, three, seven, eight, four, nine, six, eight, one. That number again, three, two, three, seven, eight, four, nine, six, eight, one is that number to call. Uh, Rounding out Region 1 uh, or 1A uh, polls, T.A. Johnson dropped out from the polls, dropping down to receiving votes from 10. Rich Manetta, McCormick, Wilson, Elko, and Bridge votes as well. Uh, going back to some of the games to look for this week, uh, like I mentioned, Buford against Carolina Forest tonight. That's going to be a fun one between 5A and 4A. Conway at St. James, they will play a non-region game, although both teams are in the same region. Kind of a weird little setup here. We'll talk to Brandon Dunn about it in about 15 minutes. Conway won the first matchup 21-16 all the way back in week one. Uh, so that will be an interesting little storyline there as well. St. James went winless in region play, still looking. Did get their first win against 1A Lamar, but would certainly like to get a win against Conway tonight. South Florence at Myrtle Beach, big momentum game for Myrtle Beach after the loss last week uh, before the big matchup next week against North Myrtle. The Seahawks really need this one tonight against South Florence. Let's just put it that way. Hartsville at Wilson. Can Wilson do it again tonight? Or will they have a little bit of... uh, Will have uh, that little, uh, you know, issue uh, as a result, you know, coming out of the win last week uh, 
you know, can you know, does Wilson have that hangover from the Myrtle Beach win? And do they struggle tonight against Hartsville? Dylan at Loris, according to Ian Garen, Loris needs to beat Dylan by at least 12 points while allowing fewer than 21 in order to make the playoffs. So they are still technically alive. They need to do a lot tonight against Dylan in order to make it into the playoffs. And it's a very tough Dylan team that they're facing off against. So it's going to be a tough battle for Loris. That will be an interesting one to watch tonight. Anor at Green C. Floyd's. That should be an interesting one between 3A and 1A. And Carver's Bay at Georgetown should also be a fun non-region matchup. Some out-of-area games to watch tonight. Burns at Dormand. That will determine the Region 2-5-A title holder. Uh, so that that is probably the biggest matchup of the week throughout the state. Uh, Greer at Boiling Springs. That should be a fun one. Malden at Ridview. That should also be a good one. Dutch Fork at South Point. Matchup between 5A and 4A. Uh, North Augusta at River Bluff, another 5A, 4A matchup, uh, which should be fun to watch. Irmo at Chapin, another 5A, 4A matchup. Berkeley at Somerville, that should be an interesting one. Uh, both teams, you know, looking for that that win. Westside at TL Hanna, Battle of Undefeated uh, over in 4A, that should be a fun one. Or excuse me, T.L. Hanna's in 5A, so that's another 5A, 4A uh, matchup uh, between two playoff teams. Draher at Westwood. Westwood needs to win in order to stay in contention for a playoff spot in 4A. Airport at Brooklyn Casey, that should be a fun one. Between former uh, region, uh, uh, former uh, fellow region members uh, because airport and, and Brooklyn Casey were both in the same region last year. Three alliance dropping down to three a may river at Orangeburg Wilkinson. We talked about that. Uh, we talked about that earlier uh, with Wes from loco sports. Palmetto at Wren, that's a 3A upstate battle uh, between two top 3A upstate teams. Clinton at Union County, that's a must-win game for Clinton if they hope to stay in contention. Fairfield Central at Andrew Jackson, that should be a fun one. Great Collegiate at Oceanside Collegiate, the Battle of the Collegiates. That's a good one to watch as well. Hanahan at Philip Simmons. Abbeville at Crescent. That's the battle for Region 1, 2A. Abbeville, lot, lots of fans of Abbeville uh, wanting to get that win, keeping their undefeated record. Batesburg, Leesville at Columbia. Newberry at Saluda. Toronto at North Central. That's the battle for Region 4, 2A. Arnwell at Bamberg Earhart. Timberland at Cross, that should be a fun one. Blacksville Hilda at Wilton Elko. And Branchville at Allendale Fairfax, that's a battle for a, for the second playoff spot in Region 6-1A. 
So that should be a fun one as well. Some other notes uh, throughout the state before we take a break, and then we'll have uh, Brandon Dunn coming on at 9. Xavier Short of Chapin is the school's all-time receptions leader, and he's only a junior. He is definitely a guy to watch over, you know, for the remainder of this season, then going into his senior year, Chapin looking very, very good for the next couple of years. Uh, and they hope that it translates into some wins. Uh, Mark Bellamy from North Myrtle Beach was invited to the offense-defense All-American Bowl in Dallas, so congratulations to him. And, I mean, that's impressive and 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 fun to watch, you know, there's the offense-defense All-American Bowl here in Myrtle, which, you know, it's a local event. So you expect to see players from the area and players from South Carolina being named to it. But there have been a good few South Carolina games being named to the big one in Dallas at AT&T Stadium. And that's very impressive. That's something that should definitely be commended. Uh, for all those guys, and congratulations to Bellamy for being invited, uh, and good luck out in Dallas. Greeny Floyd's reportedly not getting a bowl game this year after being eliminated from the play- from playoff contention. Surprised that they're deciding to forego the bowl the bowl game opportunity to give Jaquan Dixon in that final extra game. Uh, Very surprising for the Trojans. I know it's been a very disappointing year for them. You know, they were trying to go back to back to back uh, in 1A. They came in with a lot of expectations, but just could not quite pull it. You know, just could not quite get it going this season. Uh, And it's going to be disappointing not seeing them that, that first week of the playoffs even if it was just for a bowl game. Like I mentioned earlier, basketball tournament this season cut down from five rounds down to four. Uh, They are essentially doing, um, well, no, they're doing um, a 16-team playoff, I believe. Yes, they are. Um, So they're, now basketball has it right. They have it at, uh, you know, 24 teams, excuse me. Uh, or no, excuse me, I take that back. They're they're at the normal spot. Uh, they're, they are at 32 most years. Uh, but this year they are going to do 16 like for football. Uh, so that's going to make things very interesting this year. It It is going to make the, the regular season much more important, which I'm perfectly fine with. But at the same time, it it is going to make it to where some I have a feeling, just looking at it from years past, that you're not going to have as much excitement and as much pressure going into the final games. Because I remember last year, you know, North Myrtle Beach when they faced off against Marlboro County at the end of the season, they they were fighting for their playoff lives. Uh, or yeah, they were playing their fighting for their playoff lives, 
um, while at the same time, you know, but like, you know, lat, you know, if this was this year, that game wouldn't have meant as much because I don't think North Merrill Beach would have had a chance of getting in. So now, you know, with it being cut down to four rounds, it's it's going to make the end of the season not quite as exciting. But we'll see how it plays out. I still think, and and this isn't just for football. This is for basketball, for baseball, for all the sports. Going to 32, or excuse me, going to 24 overall, it makes the most sense. Like I mentioned earlier, there's also a recommendation that games aren't played between Christmas and New Year's. Not sure if this is going to impact Beach Ball Classic and some of the other tournaments. You know, uh, KC Round Ball Classic uh, is that time frame as well. Uh, So it's going to be interesting. This is only a recommendation right now. So, you know, no no clear-cut, you know, you have to do it this way. No mandate or anything like that. But we'll see if those recommendations are taken into consideration or if things move on and proceed as as initially expected. Um, back onto the football field. Lots of fun matchups tonight. Um you know, and we're down to the final two weeks of the season. It's, it's crazy to think about. It, it's crazy to think that, you know, just just a month ago, you know, a little a little over a month ago was week one. A little over a month ago, we were just starting playing, starting to play football, and now we're already at the end of well, close to the end of the season. And just about the entire playoffs are already just about the entire bracket, especially in 5A. Now, 4A still has a lot of room uh, to make up. But in in 5A, uh, the bracket looks just about done. Let me actually go through the brackets real quick. As of right now, in 5A, that Region 1, 1A spot, all right, that Region 1 5A spot is still open, so we don't know who that will be yet. But whoever that is will play Ridgeview at home. Gaffney will have a home game against the Region 2 uh, number 2 seed. The number 2 1 seed, which the, the Region 2, uh, that will be determined tonight. Between uh, between Dorman and Burns, whoever wins, so whoever wins Dorman against Burns will face off against Boiling Springs, while whoever loses will have to travel to Gaffney. So that could actually set up an interesting matchup. If Dorman were to lose tonight, they have to face Gaffney again at Gaffney. And we all know what happened last time, earlier on in the season, when Dorman had to travel to Gaffney. Dorman got beat in a thriller, 30-29. to So, 
Dorman definitely wants to get the win, although at the same time, they may want to try to get some revenge on the Indians. Uh, you know, th- this week. Or, you know, moving forward. Uh, so, outside of that, Nor- Northwestern will face off against the Region 1 uh, 2 seed at Northwestern. Uh, that Region 1 will be determined next week. Uh, because next week, T.L. Hannah and Hillcrest face off against each other at T.L. Hannah. That's going to be the that's going to be one of the biggest matchups in the state next week. Going over to lower state, you got Dutch Fork and Somerville facing off each, against each other at Dutch Fork. Goose Creek will face Carolina Forest at Goose Creek. Sumter will face Berkeley at Sumter, and Fort Dorchester will face off against the two seed over in Region Five. And like we were talking about. With Richie Altman earlier, it will more than likely be River Bluff. Uh, but that could potentially still change if River Bluff were to lose to Lexington next week. So that will be something to keep an eye out for. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll have... Um, WPDE right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And as promised, we've got Brandon Dunn from WPDE here on 
Sports Unlimited. Brandon, how's it going? It's going well, and yourself? Eh, not too bad, not too bad. Looking forward to a very exciting game tonight as uh, Buford travels all the way up here to the Grand Strand to face off against Carolina Forest. And uh, that's going to be an interesting one. First off, how much of an impact do you think that amount of travel has on a team? Um, I think it does a little bit because, uh, that's like you, like you said, that's a, that's a long haul uh, for one team to uh, to make that trek. But I mean, you got to also. I mean, these kids are are, are young. They're you know they're not uh, they're not of uh, of age where it's probably going to affect them much. Um, they'll be ready to play. Like you said, it'll be a good game. I mean, Buford's ranked in their classification. Um, they're always a they're always a good program. They always uh, put together a uh, a good team. So it'll be a good test for Carolina Forest. Probably be their first really big test in Sumter. And um, yeah. I think it's I think I think it's good that they're playing a team like Buford uh, to prepare themselves for the playoffs, which of course uh, for them starts here in uh, two weeks. Who do you give the edge to, and what do you think are some of the keys for this game? Um, I think you got to give the edge to Carolina Forest. I mean, a they're playing at home. Uh, that's a huge thing. Um, I believe that uh, after last week, uh, Mark probably had them a little bit, uh, a little bit more focused, zoned in, um, considering what happened, uh, how close of a game that was with St. James in the first half last week. Uh, I think obviously the key to the game of any game is turnovers. I mean, you know, you got to limit your turnovers. Carolina Forest, um, <clears throat> when they've gotten beat, it's because of turnovers. Obviously, yeah. Sumter. Uh, and limiting turnovers is obviously the is is the key there. But um, playing better defense, um, you know, they, they've got to they've got to figure out a way to to uh, to limit uh, Buford's offensive production. Obviously, St. James was very successful in the first half last week, um, doing what they do, and they did it well. And you know, shoot, they led there for a little while. It looked like looked like they they might uh, pull the upset until the Panthers decided to get it together there in the second half. So, um, you know, defense, obviously turnovers, and uh, Carolina Forts, you know, if they do what they do, they should be fine. Moving over to St. James and their matchup uh, tonight, which is a kind of weird one. They're playing against Conway, which is a normally which is normally a region matchup, but it's technically a non-region game. Uh how do you see that game turning out, and how does having a region game but not a region game with neither team really playing for anything at this point in the season? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting matchup, as you said, because these two teams have already played. Uh, they played in week one um, of the season, and, and uh, Conway won that game. Um, you know, the way St. James is playing right now, they've got a lot of confidence. They're playing at home. Um, Conway is really struggling, coming off a, a, a 35 nothing loss to, to Sumter. Now, granted, Sumter's done that to, to pretty much everybody they've played so far this season, except for Carolina Forest, where they've pretty much dominated everybody. Um, but, you know, you got to give the edge to St. James here. I, I think that, um, you know, they've kind of figured some stuff out. They're, they're playing well offensively. They're moving the ball. They're putting points on the board. Um, the Tigers are struggling uh, to stop anybody. Their offense has really not done much. So I'd I, I give the edge here to St. James uh, mm-hmm. to win to win this ball game and get their second win of the season. But 
yeah, it's interesting that um, these two decided to play each other. But I think at this point, uh, athletic directors are just trying to grab games that they can grab. And I don't really think they they uh, are in the mindset of, you know, let's try to play something different. I think they're just trying to grab games. And that's kind of what happened here. That that would be kind of ironic and, and funny if St. James beats Conway tonight. Uh, because that will mean that St. James won both of their games this season, technically non-region, but one of them was against the region opponent. So it would be kind of a weird, weird ironic twist of fate there. Moving down to 4A, the big news this week, Myrtle Beach losing to Wilson. How shocked were you by that loss? Honestly, not really that shocked. Last year, um, Wilson had Myrtle Beach on the ropes late, and Myrtle Beach had to had to rally there in the fourth and and score late to to win that game up there last year. And then, of course, uh, you know the the confrontation uh, after the game um, was really the talk of the game, and I think that motivated Wilson uh, a lot. To be honest with you, I think they circled that game on their calendar. And uh, you know they have the athleticism, they have the they have the talent and uh, to to compete with anybody if they play the way they're supposed to. Um, and they just happened to uh, to get it all together last week against Myrtle Beach, and I think they had some extra motivation there. And um, and the ball went their way. Uh, they got a couple of turnovers that uh, that went their way, and you know that, that's that's football, and it's uh, kind of everything lined up for them to to win that game. But I, I really wasn't all that surprised uh, that that they uh, that they won that game. Do you think this might be good thing, Little Beach, that this kind of gives them the kick in the pants that they need to say, hey, let's let's get back to focusing? And, and how much of an impact will this have in their game against uh, against South Florence tonight? Yeah, I think they needed this because, um, you know, you got to remember the, the last couple of games, I mean, the, the Hartsville, they, you know, they had to, they had to rally and beat Hartsville. Um, you know, so there's been several games this year where, where Myrtle was on the ropes and they had just actually uh, happened to, to pull them out late. Um, so this hasn't really been uh, the, the Myrtle's team that has gone out and just kind of destroyed everybody. I mean, they've had to fight and claw over the last couple of weeks to, to grab wins. Um, and, and last week it, it didn't go their way. So, yeah, I think they, they kind of got a wake-up call. Um, sometimes you need those situations, but you know, for them now, they're they're in a they're in a battle to to reach the playoffs. Um, you know, you got North Myrtle Beach who's already in, and they're they're rolling. They got a week off, uh, so they they've got two weeks to prepare for that game next week um, to uh, to win the outright region championship. And now Wilson's got that win over Myrtle Beach, and if they could beat Hartsville tonight, you know, they're they're right there. Um, you know, uh, and. Uh, you know, if, if Myrtle Beach happens to slip next week, that's their second region loss. Wilson's got two region losses over Myrtle Beach. So, you know, it's it, there's a lot going on. There's a lot riding on uh, on these next two weeks on, on how things could go in that region and who actually could lock down that second seed. I mean, there's a possibility that Myrtle Myrtle may not be that second seed. Yeah, that, and that's I, I do think that I do. Yeah, I do think they win tonight. Yeah, I I, I think they come in and, and take care of business against South Florence. Yeah, that's something that's crazy that I don't think anyone expected coming into the season as potential at this late in late in the season. 
that Myrtle Beach may not even make the playoffs. Now, it's a long shot. I think they probably will. But, you know, there is that potential. What do you think is the better option? You know, Myrtle Beach playing against South Florence, trying to get a little bit of momentum back while North Myrtle has the bye week this week. Is it better? Do you think North Myrtle has the advantage with, with that bye week? Or do you think it's better with Myrtle having to play this week and, and trying to get their mojo back? Um, I, I think I think you got to give the edge to North Myrtle. Um, you know, with having an extra week to prepare for an opponent, um, and then also on top of that, you know, just trying to uh, do everything they can to avoid the whole COVID thing. Because at this, who can outlive COVID? I mean, who, who mm-hmm. could who could beat COVID? Um, you know, and that's kind of how the playoffs are going to be. Who can outlive COVID? You know, mm-hmm. um, so. You know, Myrtle's going to have to play well and, and kind of get back on track tonight against South Florence. But, I mean, I still think you give the edge to North Myrtle Beach uh, when it comes to that game next week just because they've had two weeks to prepare. Um, they're playing extremely well. Uh, everything's kind of going their way this year. They're going to have uh, all the confidence of the world. They're being they're going to be at home next week. So, I mean, you know, everything, all the boxes checked for them to uh, – to be in position to, to win that region title outright and to finish the regular season perfect. So, you know, we'll find out, you know, you never know how that game goes. It always, uh, it's, it, it's always a battle and uh, it's going to be interesting, especially if Myrtle beach knows going in that they're going to have to win that thing to, to put themselves in, you know, in position to, to win the playoff and get into the playoffs. Now granted there's an at large bid. So, you know, yeah. who knows how that thing goes, but it will be interesting if, if Myrtle Beach has two losses at the end of the season uh, and Wilson's right there, too, with two losses. Well, going going to Wilson, they face off against Hartsville tonight. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, And it, like you mentioned, it is a big matchup because Wilson is technically still alive, as is West Florence, to be able to – well, West Florence wouldn't because they lost to Myrtle Beach. But Wilson has that, you know, head-to-head victory. So they still could potentially get a region spot in the playoffs. Do they come in and just clobber Hartsville, or is there that potential of a little bit of a hangover from the big victory last week against Myrtle? No, there's not a lot of teams that clobber Hartsville. Um, you know, they're uh, they're well coached. That offense is really hard to stop. They've got a lot of athletes. They're a very talented football team. So this game is going to be, I mean, if Wilson's going to win it, they're going to have to win it. Um, Hartsville's going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at, at trying to win this thing. You know, they want to finish the regular season strong. So, but I, I think you got to give the edge to Wilson because uh, of what happened last week. I know that they uh, probably celebrated that one for Friday night, but I'm sure one Saturday rolled around. Uh, Derek Howard had them back and focused again saying, you know, the, the season's not over fellas. You know, we've, We've got uh, we've got more games to go, and we gotta we gotta win some more games to put ourselves in the conversation uh, to get to, get to the playoffs. Um, having already lost uh, to West Florence, so you know they they're they're right there as well, trying to trying to get that thing going, and uh, we'll see what happens tonight. But um, I I don't think they have a hangover. I, I think they'll be ready to go. And you you mentioned it with uh, with the playoffs quickly approaching. A lot of talk this week about the potential of who gets in in terms of at large and the uncertainty of what's going on in 
and seven. Has there been any talk around Wilson and West Florence about the potential of both of them getting in as an at-large bid? Obviously, Wilson's still trying to get a, a region spot, but, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure that two teams out of that region are going to get in. I, I I would think that one at-large bid would go to somebody in that region. Um, mm-hmm. I, would, uh, I would assume, um, again, you know what they say about assumptions, but I would assume that three teams in that region would would make the playoffs. Um, I highly doubt that they would go four. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think West Florence is kind of put themselves on the uh, inside or the outside looking in at this point. Uh, you know, big win for them last night to to get uh, to get another region win. But I'm not sure that uh, they've put themselves um, in position to get that at large bid. Um, so you know. Uh, We'll see, but um, you know I think that that at large is going to either go to Wilson or Myrtle, depending on how the last uh, these next two weeks go. Yeah, going going down to three A. Uh, I know Ian Garen was trying to do the calculations in his head um, last week. What are the official tiebreakers? Do you know what the official rules are for Region Seven Three A, and what? Like, what does Lawrence have to do tonight in order to get in? You know, I just think they need to win and, and kind of hope that some teams, um, some other teams around the uh, around the state lose. I mean, that's kind of how the, I think that tiebreaker works and uh, in terms of uh, that at-large bid. Um, you know, I, m- me personally, I, I think if they lose to Dylan tonight, I'm not sure how they get in, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. So, yeah, they, they, they got to win tonight. So, uh, and, and I'm not sure that they have, uh, um, enough in the, in the tank to, to do that. Um, you know, Dylan's just, uh, Dylan's just a different beast and, uh, they know what's at stake tonight. They, they know they can win the thing outright. And, uh, especially after losing the region championship, uh, or losing the region last year to Aner, um, I, I think they will be, uh, pretty zoned in uh, this evening to uh to reclaim their their throne as the the top dog in that region so um but i you know um you know who knows how loris is going to respond i would assume that they would respond better than they did against Ainer. um i was kind of uh, surprised uh about the performance against Ainer. i was there and you know turnovers really killed them um Ainer really took advantage of some turnovers in that early going in that first half and turn those into into 14 points or 16 points with a two-point conversion and that really swung the momentum to their side pretty quickly and once that momentum swung uh it was pretty much over so that i mean that that game was that game was over at halftime sticking with uh region 7-3a but it's a non-region game against a 1a team anr against green c floyd's tonight uh what does green c have to do to to pull off the upset um hold on to the football and just play their game um you know that it's going to be a tall task it's a it's a rivalry game you know those those two kind of um, people don't really think about that as much but uh you know those, those two have kind of uh, made this game somewhat of a rivalry yeah. game and um over the over the course of of the history between these two uh, so, you know, Green Sea is going to leave it all on the, on the field because, you know, they, they know their season's over. So 
these are just extra games for uh, for them to play, and they want to finish strong for their seniors, and uh, they would love nothing better than to uh, to knock off Ainer tonight. But uh, I'm not I'm not quite sold on uh, on them having enough firepower to uh, to keep Ainer off the board. Um, Ainer's pretty productive when it comes to uh, the scoring, and I'll tell you that uh, Ahmad Gerald kid, uh, that that kid is a hoss. Uh, he is he is hard to stop. He is a beast, man. Um, and I'm not sure that they can stop that kid. I mean, he's he's uh, he's a locomotive. He's uh, he's got to be at least 260, 270, running a rock. I mean, he's a he's a big kid. And Loris had a hard time trying to stop him. I'm not sure uh, Green Sea has enough to to slow him down either. Are you are you at all surprised that? I mean, as of right now on the schedule, unless they pick up another game, this is going to be Jaquan Dixon's last game in high school because they yeah. they don't have a game for next week. And apparent and according to reports, they have a bowl game uh, for the end of the season. Are you surprised that they're not trying to get a couple more games in? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, Jaquan has, has been uh... – you know, a heck of an athlete. He's been a, a great representative of, of Green Seas, won two championships. He's got two rings. Um, you know, he'll go down as one of the best uh, players in that school's history, uh, you know, and, and to, to see his, his career end, uh, you know, like it has with, with no possibility of, of playing in the postseason just because of COVID and, and how the, the region was, was done this year. And, yeah, it surprises me that you know that this this is their last game. I, I don't understand why they uh, couldn't pick up another another game, and unless you know they're just there isn't anybody out there that they wanted to travel. And I think that's kind of been the the mo for most coaches is that I've talked to. They said you know we could pick up games, but we're not going to travel four hours to play a game. Um, and I think that's kind of been um, some of the issues and. And maybe Joey just doesn't want to play uh, the same team over again. Maybe he just doesn't want to do that. I mean, I don't know them. I haven't talked to him, so I don't know the logic behind uh, why they're not going to try to pick up at least one more game. So, um, yeah, having uh, having tonight be be quite possibly his last game is, uh, you know, I, I it is what it is. But, yeah, he's a, he's a good player. Good kid. He's a good kid, too. He's not just a good player. He's a good kid. Yeah. One final question before we let you go. The big talking point that I've had throughout the show tonight, or th- this morning rather, is uh, what should happen moving forward in terms of the playoffs? Uh, if do you, you know, do you think that they should keep the the system that they have for the playoffs this season with the sixteen teams, two per region, go back to what they had initially with four per region and thirty two teams, or what I think they should do is split the difference have 24 teams three per region with the uh region champion getting a bye you know which allows avoids the issue that we've seen in the upstate in 4a with greer greenville and greenwood while at the same time keeping the importance of the regular season with the region title yeah no i I agree with you wholeheartedly i think they uh they need to go three teams um, out of each region, I don't think they need to to where you know some regions are getting four or five teams, especially teams that are, you know, we we've had teams that won one game getting the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, okay. and I you know it just it just waters it down. 
Um, I think if you if you change it up and you give just three teams, you know you're going to have three quality teams, and the games are going to be better. Um, you know, there you're you're not going to have those uh, blowout first round games that are really unnecessary just to put a team in the playoffs. So yeah, I agree with you. I think you split the difference. I think you go three teams, you give a region team a bye, and and uh, and you go from there. I think it just would make the playoffs better, more competitive, um, and uh, and it would be more of a more competition, better better competition, so to speak. So yeah, I think I think the league's going to look at a lot of things after how things kind of went this year and, and kind of implement some different things. I hope they don't go back to where it was the way it was before. I just I, I just don't think you know you should have a team in the playoffs that won one game. That's just my my opinion, or two games for that matter. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. Um, everyone I've talked to this morning has also said the same thing that you know split the difference, have twenty four teams, uh, three per region with the the number one in, in each region getting a bye week, just makes the most sense. And hopefully the SEHSL uh, is listening and and they implement that because I think it would be the best best of all worlds for everyone involved. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, but uh, no. Some, sometimes they don't. Uh, they don't necessarily, you know, decide what's you know the best oh, situation. That is know, for sure. So. That is for sure. Yeah, well, especially this whole COVID me. thing. So. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a mess this season. That is yeah. for sure. And, you know, and I talked to a couple of coaches because the whole thing came up about you know if you get COVID in the playoffs, then you just have to forfeit the game. Well, I think in my my personal opinion first round games if a team gets covid then the, the team that finished third in that region should replace the team that got covid yeah you know so you're not so you're not just forfeiting a game at least you're playing a game not you know I, then they could only do that the first round obviously yeah but at least at least you've got games you know what i'm saying so i, yeah. I don't know we're gonna it's gonna be an interesting uh month of november that's for sure that is for sure. Have you heard anything? Have coaches mentioned anything? I know one of the big debating, the big debate point about this with, uh, with you know, once this came out was, oh, our coach is going to try to hide things. Have you been hearing anything about that or oh. what coaches' thoughts have been about this ruling? Oh, yeah. There, there, I've talked to several coaches that said that they wouldn't be surprised if if uh if coaches um some coaches uh hide the fact that one of their kids uh got covid or got tested positive um you know they're they're like yeah i'm sure they'll probably put that kid in quarantine not report it and keep on keeping on so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of talk that um some coaches will do that yeah yeah it's going to so, be a it go ahead going to say it it It'll probably happen, um, so don't be shocked. I mean, I'm sure most people won't be shocked, but I'm sure it'll happen. People will sweep, uh, you know, sweep things under the rug, and um, especially some of the if it happens to, you know, some of the top teams in the state. You know, I don't, I don't see their coaches forfeiting a game if they're, you know, one of the top teams in the state of South Carolina. I think they'll probably try to keep it hush hush and, you know, go from there. So. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. It's going to be a crazy month 
uh, going into the playoffs and, and trying to get through this as best as we can. And unfortunately I agree with you. And, and we've, we've already seen, I mean, it's a different circumstance to an extent, but we already kind of saw it in the world series with, uh, with, with how they handled the whole situation over there. Um, yeah, that whole with, thing what by telling Jumpy yeah. he had it in the sixth inning was ridiculous. Yeah, I with, mean, that's with just Powell. Why the guy played. Yeah, the guy played six innings, and then all of a sudden you're going to pull him after with, with not with with three innings to go. Yeah, I mean, I, and then he's already been out and, there. He's already been out there. Yeah, <laughs> and then on top of that, then he comes out and celebrates with the rest of the team. You know, after they won. Yeah, I mean, it's like you, 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 the guy. If, if he's got positive, he's he's played six innings. He's been around all of his teammates for six for several hours. So I don't understand why you tell him in the sixth inning, oh, you just you tested positive, so you get to pull him out. I had, mm-hmm. I mean, especially the last game of the season. Yeah, and you know, you can't. People are going to be bad. Well, why don't you come out and to celebrate? Well, dude, he just won the World Series. This may be the only time that he's yeah. won the World Series. I mean, you can't. I mean, people are going to say, "Well, he shouldn't have come out there," and blah blah blah. But I mean, how would you feel if you worked your butt off your entire life to get yeah, that opportunity? You'd want to go out and and celebrate the championship. I mean, I could see it both ways. I could see people, you know, that are paranoid about, you know, let's live in a corner and not do anything and all this other stuff. I get all that, but you know, I I don't know. I mean, that's you know, I, I guess it it is what it is. Again, um, you know, you. you that kid, that guy was put in a no-win situation. To be perfectly yeah. honest with you, you know. Oh yeah. One side's gonna oh, say, I... one side's gonna say he should have never been out there because he got COVID. The other side's gonna be like, the guy just won the World Series. You know, he went out there to take pictures and celebrate with his team, who he's been with for four hours or three hours during the middle of the game into the sixth inning. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 I agree. I know. I'm... Yeah, it was, anyway. it, it was definitely a situation where he was. He he was in a no-win situation. If I were in his position, I probably would have done the same thing, even though, you know, I've been very cautious about everything that's been going on. So, you know, I understand it completely, and I understand why a lot of coaches are probably going to try to be as hush-hush as possible going into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if I I was in his shoes, I would have done the same thing too. I mean, I would have been like, look, I've worked my tail off for years to win a World Series, and I'm not going to sit in the locker room while my teammates celebrate. You know, I I, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, I think so everyone, I, I everyone who's a sports fan who and who understands sports would probably have done about the same thing. So, yeah, you know, I mean, they're not gonna. It's not gonna change anything because he's been with his teammates for three hours playing a game. Exactly. Exactly. So, but anyway. yeah, it, it, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks to see how this hand how everyone handles everything going into the playoffs uh because yeah i have a feeling we're gonna see a sudden drop in cases out of nowhere uh going into the playoffs but we'll see once again it's been great talking to you all right i appreciate it enjoy the game tonight yep will do where are you going to be at tonight I'll actually be at the forest, um, so oh, okay. I will. Uh, I'll be there because it's an early kickoff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over there and grab a couple of highlights and then head down to Myrtle Beach and um, see what they can do against South. So I'll be I'll be at two two schools uh, tonight, two games tonight. So yeah. 
be sure to come on up uh, before the game and come say hi to me up in the box, uh, and I'll hook you up tonight. Yeah, definitely. If I uh, if I get an opportunity, I will. Kind of, it's crazy on Friday. It's I'm kind of running around just trying to get it done, <laughs> oh, especially especially covering two games because I'm used to just covering one. But you know, it's just the circumstances we've had. Uh, we're kind of down some people at our station, so I've been having to do two games instead of one. But <laughs> uh, you know, life goes on, man. Got to do what you yes, got to do. Yes, it does. Great talking to you, and uh, I'll see you tonight. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. See ya. We'll take a quick break. And come right back, some final thoughts uh, before, as we wrap up the final half hour here on Sports Unlimited on Science Sports Central. Where it began. I can't begin to know him, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer, who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. We've got a little under half an hour. And like I've been mentioning throughout the show, the big talking point this morning has been what should the SEHSL do moving forward about the playoffs? What format should they go to beyond this season? Obviously, this season with a 16-team playoff format with two teams per region getting in and we want to get your thoughts on it three two three seven eight four nine six eight one is to call that number again three two three seven eight four nine six eight one want to get your thoughts on it what do you think and we also had a poll up on southern sports central so sports so sports central on twitter and i'll read off the uh the results thus far. And as of right now, and we'll still keep the poll open. Uh, Maybe I'll give the full results. I put it up for for a whole day. So technically, it will be up for another couple of hours. Uh, We'll be up until around 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, But as of right now, most of you agree with me, and and West agree with me, and Dunn agree with me as well. Um, that they should go with a 24-team system, three teams per region getting in, with the first, the number one overall seed, the number one team, uh, the region champion from each region, getting a bye, and that. I I have to agree. That is the best system, and most of you agree with me as well. Coming in second was the 16 team with two per region, and coming in last was 32 teams, four per region. Makes sense. A lot of people, even before COVID caused uh, the season, the season to be shortened, to be shortened, and as a result, us being able to see what another format looks like. Even before that, a lot of people did not like the 32-team system. And, you know, the reason why was because it made it, you know, it, it seemingly cheapened the regular season because a lot of under 500 teams were making it in as four seeds. And, you know, it makes sense. I mean, hell, in, in 5A, in 5A where you have, you know, 40 teams, five teams per region. You, if you were a four seed, that's second to last in your region. And you're making it to the playoffs. Only one team per region doesn't make it into the playoffs. You have to be the cellar dweller in order to not make it to the playoffs. Does that really make sense? No, no, it doesn't make sense at all. It, it completely cheapens the regular season. So, but at the same time, the 16-team system, as we've seen in 4A, it creates a situation where you could be, you know, you could have three teams with just one loss apiece, them beating each other in a round-robin type of way, and one of those teams is out. That's fair either. That that isn't a a good way to go out either. You know, I'd rather have 
I'd rather have a system, and I've said this in I've said this when it comes to college football for a long time. I'd rather have a system where a team gets in that people may not think is fair for them to get in than have a system that a team has a legitimate argument being in and they are left out. So that's why I don't like the 16-team system either. Because then you get this legitimate argument. And, you know, Greenville, you know, for years to come, I'm sure, will say, whoever wins the, you know, Greenville will say, for years to come, I'm sure, they will say, whoever wins the state championship in 4A, oh, we could have been there. And they may be right. But now we'll never know. And that's the problem with this system that we have currently. I think we should go back to four teams either because that's just too bloated. So three teams is the perfect happy happy medium. And I really, really hope we need to get this started. We need to, you know, those of you who are listening to me right now, get this going. Message you know, mention SEHSL on Twitter. Message, mention them on Facebook. You know, get this word out to them because they not, I mean, this just kind of happened out of nowhere when me and Ian Garen were talking last week. This was not something that, you know, I was thinking about for a long time. It just suddenly was one of those aha moments. So those in charge over at the SEHSL may not even be thinking about something like this. So let, let's get this done. Let, let's make sure the SEHSL has this in their in their mind and and get get this system implemented come next year. But first, we gotta get through this year, and we've got and there are some great games tonight. Will be some fun matchups. Uh, I'll be over calling Carolina Forest against Buford. That'll be a fun matchup tonight. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that one. With the final 20 minutes, uh, I'll go over some national news. Get you ready for some uh, football uh, tonight. But first, I want to send a big congratulations to the L.A. Dodgers for winning the World Series in six games. I forgot to mention it to Richie uh, earlier uh, because I know he's a big Dodger fan. So, Richie, if you're still listening, congrats to your Dodgers uh, for winning the World Series for the first time since 1988. So before I was even born. And before just about any player on the Dodgers roster, I think I have a feeling that it is any, you know, before, well, no, there might be some older players who, who might uh, be on the roster still. But most of the players on that roster probably uh, were not even born or at the very least were just born uh, when the Dodgers last won the World Series. 
But unfortunately, the uh, the series did not end without controversy. The first one, which being kind of a blessing in disguise, is the whole story about Blake Snell and how he was pulled in the sixth inning while only giving up a hit, a couple of hits. He threw only seventy three pitches, but because of the analytics and everything, the Rays decided to pull him to bring in a reliever. And then he blows the lead, and and the rest is history. And, you know, I understand the Rays have done this the entire season, and they've been one of the biggest analytics and the the new era ball type of teams uh, that have done wonky things with the pitching and everything. But I am very much a... And this was a relatively new concept, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But nowadays it seems very old school. I am still of the mindset of your starter goes at least 100 pitches. Uh, Obviously barring some sort of disaster. Obviously if he's throwing up, you know, meatballs the entire time and he's getting hammered across the field, then take him out early. But if your pitcher is pitching well, even if he hits 100 pitches, if he's still pitching well, you keep him in that ball game until it looks like, okay, he may be starting to get up there and he's starting to get a little rusty. There's a balance between you don't want Martinez and keeping him out there for too long and having him blow a lead as a result. But at the same time, you don't want to be the Rays and pull your ace too early and blow the lead as a result of that. There has to be that balance. There has to be, and I think overall when it comes to baseball, right now it is too far towards the analytics and not enough on the eye test. It's too focused on numbers and analytics and looking at baseball as a math problem on paper and not as much of just the eye test. There needs to be that marriage between the two. The best teams in any sport, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, the best teams are ones that can combine the two. As we always say, sports are not one on paper. They are one on the field. An analytic thing can tell something, some sort of analysis can tell you that, oh, there's no way this team can win, or there's no way this is going to happen. But then it happens because of heart and because of you know, human error or human will. So you have to have that marriage between the two, between the eye test and and the traditional scouting and the traditional managing and analytics. And I think the team that can perfectly join those within the next couple of years will revolutionize baseball. And I'm hoping... And I think one of the big news, the other big news story that came out this week, the fact that the White Sox hired T- Tony Larusa 
as their new manager is a good sign because he's an older manager. He's an old school manager. And I'm curious if what happened to the Rays with Blake Snell had an impact on the White Sox decision and saying, okay, maybe we do need, we need to bring in an older manager, an old school manager that can balance out the analytics. And we'll see how it works. I'm kind of rooting for the White Sox now. Blend will work. But we will see. The other the other controversy uh, following the World Series, like I talked to Brandon Dunn about, the Justin Turner fiasco. He apparently tested positive the day before, but the MLB didn't. And, and this is the problem that I see. This is the problem I see. They didn't want to take his moment away positive. But then when the second positive came back, then they pull him out in the middle of the game. Which just it it's a really bad look for the MLB. And especially with how there's rapid testing now, I'm surprised they didn't figure out some way to be able to test him before the game to determine whether he should go out there or not. But unfortunately, Turner's probably going to take the rap for it. He's going to be the fall guy on this because he apparently, according to reports, broke quarantine to go out celebrate with his team. And there's all these people talking about how apparently one of his teammates has a heart condition and one of his teammates has a son who is immunodeficient or something along those lines. And, yeah, it's a bad look. Yeah, it's a bad look for the MLB, and it's a bad look for the Giants, and it's a bad look for Turner. And, yeah, he's probably going to get fined and suspended for the beginning of the season. But even me, who has... You know, I haven't been one of those super crazy, you know, especially ever since football has decided to move forward and everything. I've been one of those people ever since August. I've just said, okay, yeah, we're moving forward. And as long as you protect yourself and everything, you know, yeah, let's get back to it. But time... You know, I have known you need to be careful in everything. This, unfortunately, I would have done the same exact thing. Because with the being the Dodgers, yeah, they're a good team, but you never know. You never know in sports if you're ever going to get that opportunity again. So you got to take advantage of it. Uh you know, and, but un, but at the same time, I'll go back to what I've been saying since the summer. This is why playing a season under these conditions was always a big risk. And it was one of those situations where were you willing to take that risk? Knowing going into it that you were going to have problems. This is not at all surprising. Yes, it's disappointing for the MLB that it happened on the last game of the World Series. And it happened with such a spotlight on the league. 
But it's not surprising at all. It's not surprising at all that it happened. That's some MLB stuff for you. Real quick, some NBA news uh, as we have about 10 minutes left to go on the show. NBA trying their hardest to return for Christmas. Not sure how well it'll work. Um, One idea I saw that would actually work um, that makes sense, although it probably would hurt. Well, not necessarily. Because there are a couple of teams that weren't in the bubble that are still big draws. But one idea I saw that makes sense is have a staggered start, have the non-bubble teams starting on Christmas. So you could have a Brooklyn Nets team play on Christmas Day. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any. You could have Golden State play on Christmas Day. You still have high-value teams that weren't in the bubble as a result of injuries last year that play on Christmas Day. You may not have as many top-level teams as you'd like to fill out all four games on Christmas Day, but you still have enough. You still have enough that you can make it work. Uh, And then have the non-bubble teams start or with, excuse me, have the bubble teams start on MLK Day. Uh, another thing to take into consideration, which kind of makes the Christmas start more important, is the fact that as of right now, the Olympics are supposed to be held next year. They were pushed back from this past summer to next summer. And basketball is one of the big draws for the Olympics, especially the USA team. And it's because of the star power from the NBA. So Team USA and the Olympics are going to want those players in 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 the Olympics. So that's going to be something that the league is going to have to take into consideration. And another thing that makes makes things even crazier is that this is a CBA year or at least there's the potential for it to be a CBA year, because both sides can theoretically opt out. Now, the deadline's supposed to be today. But NBA Players Association VP Malcolm Brogdon said the other day that he thought that the opt-out deadline will be moved back. Still no word yet, but I'm not sure what the official time uh, for the deadline is. But the clock is ticking. If they don't opt out, uh, or if they do opt out, or excuse me, if they don't opt out, it doesn't mean that they need to renegotiate. So at least we're not headed to towards a p- potential lockout. You know, if they if they don't opt out, the CBA just stays in place for another year. Uh one final NBA note. Mavericks assistant Steven Silas becomes the new Rockets head coach. Um kind of kind of an interesting pick uh for the Mavericks or for the Rockets, excuse me. Uh not sure how well that'll work, but we'll see. Some NFL news, uh, Antonio Brown was signed by the Bucks, and 
He, the Bucks made me have to eat my word from last week because I did not think Antonio Brown would get signed by an actual team. I thought he might be put on the practice squad. But I did not think he was ever going to play in the league again. But it looks like he will. And he's going to reunite with this old quarterback, Tom Brady, when he was on the Patriots. So again, for the second week, after the Chiefs got Le'Veon Bell, the rich just seemed to get richer. And wouldn't that be an interesting matchup? Not sure. I don't think it'll happen this year. I don't think it'll happen this year. But Bucks, Chiefs, Brady versus Mahomes with Brady in a different uniform. This time in the Super Bowl, that would be a fun matchup. I would love to see that. Like I said, I don't think it'll happen this year. I think it's a little too early for this year. But I could could potentially see it happening. Eventually. Maybe next year. Some quick college football notes before we uh, sign off. Bowl and Los Angeles Bowls are, all, are both in question. Holiday Bowls started this domino effect last week. Expect more bowls to be canceled. Not really all that surprising considering especially the lower bowls rely on those ticket sales uh, to make the money. Uh, So with reduced capacities, it's going to be a lot harder for those bowls to make the money that they were expecting to make. Uh, But with the way things are, with there being, you know, supposedly everyone being eligible for the bowls, it's going to make this season, uh, or it's going to make the end of the season even more interesting to see who gets in and who doesn't, especially now with everyone playing. It was one thing when not everyone was playing, but now with everyone playing, it makes things even more interesting uh, in that regard. Uh Wisconsin, some big COVID news, unfortunately, for college football this week. Wisconsin forced to cancel their game against Nebraska this week due to a positive case, or due to multiple positive cases, excuse me. Not a good start for the Big Ten, which they're on, they're on, uh, they're not really on borrowed time right now. They're not, they, time's running out for them because they do not have any time to spare because of how their system has played out. Uh, And then the big news, obviously, was uh, the big news that came out yesterday. Trevor Lawrence, uh, test positive, has to quarantine for both Boston College this week and Notre Dame uh, next week. And it's very ironic that he's the one that tests positive after he was one of the leading voices along with uh, Justin Fields to keep the season going. Obviously, hopefully, hope for a speedy recovery for him, uh, but not not a good look for, uh, for Clemson and for the ACC. That'll just about wrap it up for me uh, here on Sports Unlimited. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, one final tally on the vote for my whole question for today. What should the SPHSL do? Almost half of you said 
three-star region. So that seems to be the uh, the definite uh, favorite for what the SCH has chosen to do moving forward. Hopefully they'll listen, but we know how the SCH has is. So hope you guys have fun tonight. Be sure to stay safe. If Trevor wants to stay, so can do so. Be sure to stay safe. Stay healthy out there while you're going to Friday Night Lights tonight. And uh, if you want to listen to my game tonight, be sure to tune in on SHN Sports on YouTube. So, once again, I'm Brandon Biscuiting saying so long, and we'll talk to you guys next week here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. So long, everyone.